I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and in honor of Saul Berman, this podcast will be morning. So there'll be no levity, no smiling, no chuckling. And I'm Avsenensky, and alas, this is not the first time I have been re- reprimanded by a podcast host. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 11, Episode 5, Yorosh Marseille, Marseille, which originally aired on November 21st, 2021, just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, very excited for this episode of the first four episodes of the season were written by uh, friends of the pod, Larry David and Jeff Schaefer, and directed by Jeff, all four of them. This week's episode... Uh, a little bit of a wrinkle we have. It's written by LD and Jeff and Carol Leifer. And Carol Leifer. Directed, Carol Leifer, sorry. <laughs> and it's directed by Robert Weed, who was the show's primary director for the first five seasons. And, I mean, we'll talk about it more. But to me, I think that's why this episode really gives off, like, classic Curb vibes. Yeah, I, f- I feel exactly the same way. This just was, like, a very throwback episode. Um, kind of, like, just, like, exists outside any sort of ongoing plot. Uh, very much has like the tie-ins and just like, you know, it's like the, the the right level of stakes. Like there's not like a big project going on. It's just like Larry's just living life, getting into trouble. Yeah. The consequences are like some guy he met at the beginning of the episode. He doesn't want to be his friend at the end of the yeah. episode. Like, <laughs> it's Perfectly put. Yeah. I think like other than the replacement of Bob Einstein with Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. if you're watching this episode 10 years from now, you have no idea what season it's from. Yeah, yeah, it really, this is, this to me, just as I said, was just very much just like a vintage classic curve episode in many ways. I'm not, you know, going to rush to say this was, you know, the best episode or the worst episode. We'll get to that later, but it just like could slide in anywhere. I I completely agree. All right, well, let's slide into that recap. Yeah, let's jump in. Uh, season 11, episode five. We start out at the Riviera Country Club, where we've been uh, known to frequent in recent seasons. And we're with Larry and we're with Jeff. And of course, we're with Freddie Funkhauser because he's just part of the gang now. And we start out and it seems like Larry's trying to welch on a bet that him and Freddie must have made on the golf course. I guess now this is yeah. the uh, the second straight week that we're seeing uh, golf betting going on. Hmm. Um, but and Larry is uh, complaining that he shouldn't have to pay because Freddie was talking during the putt. Um, Freddie thinks he was talking pre-putt. They get into a little argument. Jeff is not getting involved, which um, I think, as we'll see, is going to be Jeff's like go-to uh, place in this episode. Is that like he doesn't want to like take sides? And uh, yeah. Larry, well, we've uh, seen this from him a little bit this season already, right? Like he wouldn't say whether Larry plopped or didn't right, plop on the right. Yeah, it was you know, I- I'm with Larry. Like you have to take a position. I'm also with Larry that Jeff is going straight to hell, but that's like a true but not for that reason situation. Yeah, yeah. The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in times of moral crisis, preserve their neutrality. Yeah. Not cheat on their wives, you know, repeatedly and, uh, you know, uh, get in fights with women over paying for their abortions and sexually assaulting people and, and you know, enabling all of Larry's shenanigans. But uh, yeah. not taking a position on the plop and then on whether or not it was pre-putt. Or, now, what's your, is your theory that Larry is watching? Or you're saying that even if Freddie was talking during the putt, it doesn't matter. That's still a Welch. Um, yeah, I, guess, I don't know, though. I guess the etiquette is like you're really supposed to be very quiet during golf, right? Yeah, I, I hate thing. this golf and tennis. Like, 
if you have to like ask people quietly to shush when you're playing your sport, then guess what? It's not a sport. You're playing like a, <laughs> it's not a sport. Like you can't say you, you LeBron is going to turn me at the free throw line and say the crowd. No, no, shush, please, please, like show a little respect. No, you have to be able to like respond to an environment of interested patrons. So that's my take on golf and tennis. All right. So uh, Hal Berman, played by Rob Morrow of uh, I think Northern Exposure, is his most famous uh, credit. And he comes over to the table and he I him, know him as Judge Adam DiGiulio from Billions. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is where I definitely recognize him from. Yeah. Um, Northern Exposure is what Wikipedia knows him from. Yeah. And he gives a very, uh, very hearty hello to Larry and to Freddie. And then very clearly, like, looks in Jeff's direction and just like walks away without acknowledging Jeff. Yeah, which is completely insane. Like, Jeff's going to, like, as we're going to discover through the episode. But, like, if you're going into Hell's head, Hell thinks... Jeff knew that Gabby would seduce a secret out of him and then tell everyone. And Jeff intentionally set hell up with her just to screw hell over because he knew that she would do that. Like, is that what, is that what hell thinks Jeff did? I mean, if that's what he thinks, it's very stupid. Um, I think I would guess it's probably more likely that just like he now he just like associates Jeff with like the sequence of events that like blew yeah, up his that life. Doesn't justify that level. Yeah. Of snub. Oh, I agree. Like, that snub is saying like, like you are a piece of shit, and I'm making that known, like, like in front of like your friends. Yeah, it's I, it's definitely unwarranted. All all he yeah. did was set him up with a very attractive, successful woman. Yeah. Um, I I say hell's an asshole here, clearly. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So with his um, father. <laughs> so like, yeah. Larry's like, well, who's this friend that you set him up with? Like, why have you never set her, her up with me? And like, uh, he, they, they find out their name. It's Gabby uh, McAfee, who's played by Julie Bowen, the mom from Modern Family. And Larry's checking out her IMDb and it's like, oh, she's very beautiful. Um, and Freddie's like, hey, do you guys know that rumor about Hal? Which turns out is that supposedly Hal slept with his mother-in-law, uh, leading to the demise of his marriage, as one would think it would. Yeah. I don't know if most wives are cool with you uh, sleeping with them. <laughs> yeah, not most. By the way, we're uh, not judging. If you want to do that, go ahead and let us know how it works out. Um, I might judge a little. Yeah. Just don't sleep with your mother-in-law. <laughs> Mother-in-law's <laughs> off limits. It's all consensual. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm not like judging morally, but I'm certainly judging. Yeah. I'll be um, yeah, I'm not supportive. <laughs> Again, only if it's consensual for all parties involved. Still not supportive. <laughs> just don't. Including- yeah, just yeah, just leave the mother-in-law out of things. <laughs> um, so Larry, um, Larry's like, oh, and then, like you know, an extra bonus of me going on this date is that I could do a little uh, detective work, put on my uh, Sherlock Holmes hat. And... Wait, does, does Larry say that? I thought Jeff asked him to do it. No, I think it's like Larry's suggestion. Oh, because I was thinking, like, why does Jeff keep doing this? Where he asks Larry, like, <laughs> always backfire. Right. Yeah. Larry gets into it because he ends up watching the show at Jeff's house. No, I think I think Larry's the one who who comes up with this idea. Oh, um, well, pause and go to the videotape. Or no? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna ask you one quick question. Sure. Did you fuck your mother-in-law at any point? Because <laughs> I ain't setting you up if you did. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll call her. No problem. And you know what else? Maybe I could do a little uh, investigation as oh, to right. what happened on that date that he would never speak to you again. I'm the win. I win. Are you going to pay up? Four one for the odd. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. 
Um, so, so yeah, so now, so, wait. So now I got to rewatch the episode for a third time and rethink it the whole thing. Yeah, so it Larry, changes. It changes everything. It changes everything. I thought Larry comes across the show on TV, and that's what gets him all excited. Uh-huh. He's already up the mood. He was looking for that show. <laughs> that's maybe that's why he chose it. We'll we'll get into later all the things that he chose uh, that Sherlock Holmes movie instead of what his other options were. Yes, yes, we do see some other choices. Um, yeah. So suddenly. Um, Berman's father has a heart attack. Everyone at the club is like jumps out of their seat. They're like, oh my God, what's going on? Is there a doctor? And everyone's kind of like looking on for like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. You know, the situation is um, not really progressing. And uh, Larry's had enough. And he uh, plops back down in his chair and he resumes eating. What, what, what? I don't know what he's even eating. Is this like some sort of like French onion soup? Or yeah, something. Or it could be like the top layer of a lasagna or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, whatever it is, it's very yeah, cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, as he's eating, um, Berman looks over, sees him, you know, gives him this like look of shame. And uh, I think Larry is like rightfully embarrassed to have been uh, caught in this comp- uncompromising position. Or compromising? Oh, no. Uncompromising? Uh, compromising. I, I, I'm, the, I'm on the other side on this one. Uh, now, first of all, I've never been. Have you ever been in a dining room when somebody like got ill in this kind of way? Not that I could recall. Yeah. But like, what is the etiquette is everyone gives the sick man a standing ovation for for how long? Yeah, I right. There at a certain point everyone moves on with their lives, right? Yeah. I, I guess well, I guess you want to wait to hell interrupts caring for his dying father. For all he right. knows, this could be the last moment he ever speaks to his father in his life. And he chooses to focus instead on some random person eating elsewhere in the dining room. Hell, you are such an asshole. Second time already. Yeah, so I think that maybe you just give it a little bit more time just to see what happens. Like, you don't want to be the one who's like sitting down eating when like they announce, "Oh, and he's dead." Like, <laughs> like give it like a couple minutes, see if like he wakes up, see if he. There's got to be a, no matter what. It, there always has to be a first. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Appreciate your heroes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Larry is uh, driving to his date with Gabby now. Um, he's listening to the radio. He hears that the uh, basketball game has ended. The Knicks have uh, defeated the 76ers 101 yeah, to 97. Um, so this is, I, I tried to see if this was a real game. I don't believe it is. Um, I did find a, a score matching that in from November 12th, 1996, but it was the Sixers who beat the Knicks 101 97. Hmm. Very good research. But also yeah. I remember that this we've theorized or I've theorized anyway. Oh, it's in this, the future. This, this season is in like 2023. Uh-huh. So, so, we, so, so we basically have the equivalent of, of Biff's uh, almanac now. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's All right. true. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, well, we have to bet on every, every game for the next like three seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. And and bet on bet on the under, I guess, and bet on the Knicks to cover, unless they're favored by more than five, four and a half. Um, yeah, it's four probably not worth half. betting on every game. Yeah, well, there's there's only like what twelve of them, right? But meaning you only know the you only know one. The rest you're just betting fifty fifty. Well, like any actually, other. no. We, I, we we as long as we're being uh, uh, putting my Sherlock Holmes head on here, uh-huh. the, the radio goes on to say like, what is wrong with the Sixers? They're really in a funk, and so. We only do it after the Sixers have been on some kind of a losing streak. Interesting. Okay. All right. So I, I think we need to investigate that yeah. uh, that tape more okay, before yeah. we before we put <laughs> yeah. our uh, yeah our maybe can we wager? I sent you an email today with the um, the money that we've earned from like we've we've been doing these like bonus Spotify ads. They only appear yeah. on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So do you do you think we should wager all of those funds on this bets? All of them. <laughs> I mean, if we win the bet, I'd like to be able to afford a cup of coffee. So, yeah. Um, so, we, so we might have to do two bets then. Yeah, exactly. We have to win twice first to get well. First, 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 a Starbucks. 
Um, so as he's driving, Larry realizes that he's missing the top button of his shirt. Um, obviously not a good thing to uh, go on a, on a, on a date without the top button of your shirt. Cause you just well, you know, look yeah, silly yeah. now. Well, yeah, it depends I, I, what I feel like if she comes out with the top button missing, uh, it might yeah. be her benefit as we saw from Seinfeld, of course, once with Elaine. Yeah. Um, so, so here's my issue with Larry. Yeah. Like he is correct. You cannot have too much t-shirt exposed, but his real problem. And I converted to this years ago and Larry should have more like advisors on these things than I do, which I had not except myself is like, you got to switch from the crew undershirt to the V-neck, right? Like you wear the crew if you're buttoning up and wearing a tie. But if you're exposing neck with open buttons, even one open button, like you have to go for the V for the very reason Larry mentioned. Larry, so in my opinion, Larry's always showing too much T-shirt. Yeah, you got. Yeah, you can't wear crew neck with with a shirt. Yeah, because it's a stick. Yeah, it looks silly. It sticks up. Yeah. I mean, that's um, what I did from like, you know, throughout like college and thereafter for many years because I was an idiot. But yeah, no, you need to wear V-necks with um, if you're wearing a tie, then you could wear. But like yeah. if you're wearing a tie, you hold. You yeah, of problems. course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was I, I just started, uh, I, as you know, I just started a new job and I was uh, talking to my dad and telling him how like one of the things that like I didn't know about this new place is like how like what the dress code is like. You know, my previous place was like very, very casual. I would wear like whatever I wanted, basically. Like and he's like, and uh, not jeans and a T-shirt, but like khakis and a polo, like or just or jeans and a sweater or whatever. Um, but like if you go to the work, if you go to work on a weekend, like the, the no weekends, wear whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. But I sort of switched like since COVID. And I don't go into the office that often, but I switched into permanent weekend wear. Like I go in jeans and a T-shirt if I go during the week. Yeah, so he's like, he's like, yeah, well, whatever. That's not the biggest deal. Like, if yeah. they say you have to wear a tie, so you wear a tie. I was like, oh, if they say I have to wear a tie, I'm gonna quit. Like, <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> no, that's not. I don't care what they're paying you. That's not worth it. The question is, yeah. you have to have like a button-down shirt and you know, like nice shoes. Yeah, and then he he actually just switched to a new hospital, and he was saying how like he's disappointed because at this hospital everyone wears like scrubs or coats. Like, yeah, but this is a different generation, man. Instead of instead of suits, and he's like, he's like, I like wearing a suit. I'm like, you're crazy. Your dad's a literal boomer. Like literally. yeah, he's like he likes wearing the suits. Yeah, man. Um, um, I've you know this like the generational thing. So I've I finally conceded because I fought it for years and years. Like I I refused to be like I insisted that I was Generation X and that I was not a millennial. No, you're we're all millennials. Yeah, and basically what it was is like before the term millennial existed, we were Generation X. We were sort of the tail end of it because that's all right. it was. And then when they first invented millennial, like for a time, we still were Generation X, but now they've done the cutoff in 1980. Like it used to be 82, 83. Now it's 1984. So we're definitely millennials, but it's... Uh, yeah, we're, we're actually so exactly in between that when Survivor did the season of millennials versus Gen X, yeah, there, was, no one there was nobody from 1983. It was yeah. like 1984 and on and then 1982 and previously. So it's like yeah, 1983 isn't either. Yeah, my wife says no. We're definitely millennials, but I'm like, yeah, but you're a year and a half younger than me, so don't talk to me. Yeah, she's clear millennial. Yeah, in every way. Yeah, (laughs) millennials are great. Yes, yeah, let's say good. (laughs) Millennials are fine. Millennials are no worse than any other generation in in the aggregate. Um, yes. Okay. So he's, he's going to stop off at Freddie, uh, who has this giant walk-in closet filled with a very, very large selection of shirts. And, uh, Freddie has, uh, identified one shirt that seems to have burnt his hand because of how hot it is. What did you think of Freddie's fake, uh, burnt myself? (laughs) Um, not, not a great bit. Oh, I'm going to shock you here. I loved it. You loved it. (laughs) Really? 
And then on my second watch, I LOL knowing he was coming, then I LOL again when he did it again. All right. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm Vince Vaughn as Freddie Funkhauser is growing on me here. Um, now, you and I both had the same issue, yes. which is... Uh, yes, we went, we, we, went to a, we went to a subject matter expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so let's discuss uh, what is Vince Vaughn's estimated height and weight, and let's compare it to our hero, Larry David. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just completely insane that they could possibly wear the same shirt, let alone, like, we see, like, Larry wearing it. It's like, this shirt fits him like a glove. Like, there's, like, it's not even to look like it's big on him. Like, and they Vince go out Vaughn- of their way. Like, Freddie goes out of his way to say, like, you're so sinewy, which should be followed by, which is why my clothes are all going to be billowy on you and look ridiculous. Instead, it's, therefore, why don't you wear one of my, maybe he's, maybe he has, like, some tight t shirts, but no, the tight his Vince Vaughn t-shirt is swimming on Larry. Yeah, I mean, my my estimate was that Vince Vaughn has about six six inches and like 80 to 100 pounds on Larry David. Um, yes. I think you came in a little bit less on your estimate. So we went to a friend of the podcast, Jared Jerome, who's an expert in all right. things, uh, heights and weights. Eh, not so much weights, but really heights. And he said, yes, Vince Vaughn is exactly 6'5". Larry David at his highest uh, was 5'11". So six inches is right. And then he has a whole formula for figuring out weight. But yeah, I mean, Vince Vaughn, in addition to being taller, is just like a big, meaty, broad guy. Yeah. Even if he, and Larry's not, like the skinniest old man I've ever yeah, seen. Even like at Vince Vaughn's skinniest, like he's just like a like a big, like wide guy. Like he's not like lean and skinny like Larry. Vince so it's like, Vaughn from Swingers. Wait, so he's six five? Is that what he's is that what he said? Yeah. All right, if he's six five, I'm gonna say at his lowest, like at swingers, he was still what, two twenty? Yeah, maybe a little bit lower, but like, yeah, when you're like, when you're that tall and broad, like the, like yeah. the lowest you could be is like 200 pounds, unless you're like no, 200 a pounds, toothpick. you'd be like a stick, right? That's what I'm saying. Unless you're a toothpick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Larry is a toothpick and is shorter. So, yeah. Yeah. And frail and feeble. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's borderline Mr. Burns. Yeah. There's no way that they're sharing clothes. It's crazy. Stuff? I wonder if anyone made that connection yeah, before. It's, um, yeah. He is turning into little Mr. Burns indestructible he's he's got billions of dollars he says fuck you he'll like blot out the sun he'll just for spite who's his smithers leon <laughs> they're both deviant sexual <laughs> sexually they're both uh and uh it doesn't work beyond that yeah i mean i haven't watched an episode of simpsons in like 20 years because you know i'm a normal person but i mean not that there's anything wrong with it it's one of my favorite yeah I, I actually do wonder who is currently watching the simpsons like it's still on tv so like clearly yeah. like enough people are watching it on fox before like once in a while i sort of see an episode by mistake and i thoroughly enjoy it and then i wonder why don't i watch this every sunday and they're like nah and i don't know why but like nobody i know who even even including many people who were like obsessed with the simpsons for many years nobody i know currently watches the simpsons yeah. so like are kids watching it like i i don't know where their viewership is coming from this who are these it's, people yeah um somebody should look into that mm. get, get back to us yeah yeah so we arrive at the japanese restaurant named uh, katsuya and larry walks in and he's you know he's there first his date has not arrived yet the maitre d offers to take his umbrella and walks him over to the table where he is loudly greeted by the sushi chef, chefs hollering the titular uh, yeah. which, uh, which means, by the way uh, comes straight out of chicken teriyaki boy uh yes yeah no reference um, but yeah curb has done this exactly before come on in and uh larry enjoys this greeting so much that when gabby arrives just a few minutes later he steals their thunder right before they have a chance and he yells out you must say himself yeah so uh, have you ever heard D, of this term before this episode? <laughs> Definitely. Well, I heard of it only from like when we early in the in the season preview, yeah. we saw the name of the episode. Yeah. We tried to figure out what it was, but before yeah. that, absolutely no, definitely not. Yeah. 
have you have you been to Japan? I have definitely not been to Japan. Oh, okay. I have not been um, east of the Jordan LA. River. Ah, hmm. uh, okay. Um, no, I've not been to Japan either. Although it's on my like top of my wish list. Um. Yeah, I think I'd rather go to China. Um. Well, where in China? That's Hong Kong. A, a lot of options. I've been to Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, I don't even think of Hong Kong. I guess China. Beijing. I've, I've I've only been to Hong Kong. I yeah, been. I don't know. I don't know that much about China or, or like where to go, but like it seems very cool. Like I wouldn't go now because I would be afraid of disappearing. Um, not that I'm like disappear worthy, but <laughs> I'm saying ego on you. you yeah, disappearable. Right. Um, but like it's they could just China. like disappear people I'm, for sport. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with that in China. I don't know. Like uh, I don't want to be in a place like that currently. Yeah, I mean, my brother, you know, goes there frequently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So um, the maitre d' comes over to let him know that this greeting is only to be said by the sushi chefs, not by customers. Yeah. And Larry is, like, extremely confused by this. Yeah. Uh, But he's like, okay, I won't, you know, Arashima say only for chefs, not for me. I get it. Fine. So he's very, he says it once, and then he's very respectful, isn't he? Yeah, which is doesn't really jive with the rest of the episode that like they're like overly angry at him, even like later when they have the whole thing where like the guy won't return the umbrella. We'll you know we'll get to it later. Um he's like you like you didn't listen even after I told you the rule, which is not true. Well, yes, he will yell at it later after the guys intentionally make him spill the soy sauce, but we'll get to that. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, let's go. Let's, I guess let's deal with it as we go. But yes, like he does it once unknowingly, which like there's no reason why he should know that they have this insane rule that the customers aren't allowed to like say a greeting. Customers are always wrong. Um, and then he and then he abides by it. Yeah, so like I don't know what the problem is. I mean, let's say, uh, as an example, so there are restaurants where like a musician will come up to your table and so or sometimes it's like a whole mariachi band will come up and start playing next to your table right yeah so if i'm a customer and i just whip up my guitar go up to other tables and start playing the guitar i feel like the restaurant would ask me to stop yes but that's like much more obviously like inappropriate than him like that somebody screaming out at the top <laughs> of their lungs like i think that's a rather unusual thing to do it's unusual but like he did it like at the person that like is his guest and Maybe he like, did it loud enough for the mater d, like at the entrance to here, and for the two. I mean, he did okay, it so he did. He did it so do loud, but that's not even what their complaint is. Their complaint is that customers aren't allowed to use this word in the restaurant. And as we'll see only. with Hal at the end, the customers are supposed to yell just different things. <laughs> right. Only only the sushi shops are allowed. To yeah. Say this. Now let's talk about. So Gabby walks in, um, as you said, Julie Bone, of course. And we were talking before about Larry, you know, taking off some buttons, showing some skin, showing some neck. Gabby is going completely the opposite, like. This is a first date. This is a very highly unsexy choice. She's wearing like a turtleneck yeah. all the way up and then a jacket on top of the turtleneck. Like, is she here for a business meeting? Yeah, she lo- she's just very professionally. Like, she's going to like... There's uh, nothing wrong with it. It's just like, yeah. it's a date. It's not, unless she... Is she here for Larry, like, to, to get in bed with him or to, like, strike a business deal? Yeah, well, you know, Larry doesn't play for the basketball team. So I don't know if they're going to bed just yet. <laughs> well, they didn't have to go to the bed. It was just in the car. from uh, Right, that's true. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the date is going but- very well. Yeah. Um, and we get two explanations for why, you know, why Larry is a great date. One was provided by Jeff, which is that Larry is very easy to break up with. Mm, yeah. Which Larry he's, he's a yeah, good that, You know, we could date for six months, eight months. You decide one day it's over. No problem. I don't care. Um, she thinks this is borderline sociopathic, but uh, it seems to turn her on a bit. 
And his uh, second great quality is that he is so discreet. Mm. Keep any secrets, which I feel like if you're if you're that discreet, you wouldn't like say you're discreet. Like you would just yeah. kind of like let, you know, show, don't tell. That is a secret. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. So as you pointed out, it's not that she says to him, let's talk about secrets. He says to her, one of the two primary strengths that I have is that I keep secrets very well. He brings it up. Yeah. So later on, he will assume that Gabby's go to move at all dates is the secret swap. And his theory is going to be that she does she tell every date a different secret or is she telling every single date the same secret about blowing the basketball player? Yeah, so it's 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 a little complicated, maybe because it's possible it, this because this is an improvised show <laughs> that not everything lines up. Um, yeah. But so what what I would say is that like clearly the co- the conclusion that he makes is we're supposed to understand that it's correct that this is her sure. go to move that yes. Did he have enough information? Right. He yeah. should have he should have Absolutely. seen that a gap in his logic is that he was the one that brought up the idea of secrets, not her. Exactly. Um, but yeah, clearly th- she does this w- with regularity. But well, well, that's the first gap in his logic. But then the second one is and I want to know what, what your opinion is, what your theory is. Does he think that she who doing this on every single date is telling everybody the same secret? The same. Or different? same. Um, but if she. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? Yeah, um, I think that we're supposed to think she's telling everyone the same secret, but then why is she angry that like people know? It's like, yeah, people know because you, you tell every guy yeah, you go out with exactly. on the first date. Yes, exactly. Number one. And number two, she like turns angrily later to like, oh, you told him like, no, you've been to this restaurant a hundred times. That's a direct quote from her. Right. And you told this to a hundred different guys while you were with him. But um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I hear I hear where you're coming from. Um. Yeah, I think this is her move. I think she 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 um she's going for the reaction that we get later in the kitchen from uh, Jeff and Leon, which is that this is something that is going to turn on guys on a first date is to hear this uh, anecdote. Not a bad theory, or, or to be even more specific, she is interested in a guy who this is going to turn on. So if it's a guy who's going to be dismayed. Right. Then she's like, all right, I want to know either way. I can end the day faster. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that famous uh, South Park uh, bit where they, they go to report that the, a female teacher is like having is sleeping with uh, like a guy, a kid in sixth grade. I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Yeah. And so they, they, they tell the cops and, and the cops just keep going. Nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Uh, it's rape. It's rape. <laughs> a sixth grader. That's not nice at all. Yeah, but like when like guys here, they're like, "Oh, is she hot, nice." Yeah. Well, also, yeah, Gabby. Disgusted. How how old was Gabby at the time that this allegedly occurred? Right, she might have been like twenty five, and he was eighteen, which is not yeah. ideal, but not you know not the worst. Um. Yeah, she, you you shouldn't be dating seniors in high school and Larry David at the same time. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was. The same. I don't think this happened last week. That's why I'm saying I'm assuming it was when uh, she was a lot younger because the, the, those two shouldn't be going on simultaneously. Mo- Mo- Monica dated a high school junior in Friends, right, right? Which when I watched it, I think I was like a high school junior, so I was like, nice. Right. And then when I watched that episode <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, this is fucking insane. This is insane. She does. Well, she, rape did, a guy and like, she but doesn't she not know? She doesn't know at first. Oh, but then did she continue? She finds out, but she's in a relationship. She really likes him. Oh, so they, so they they keep sleeping together. By the way, the actor was like twenty seven. No, I I understand they didn't actually yeah. rape a child on the set of Friends. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm just complaining. Like Friends couldn't like they didn't even try and find an actor who looked young. Sorry, we're very we're method acting here. 
<laughs> no, they can our hands are tied. Looks a little bit younger, like the guy. Yeah. Well, like they always do that. Yeah, like on like all those like teenage shows, like all the actors are in, like their mid twenties. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So now it's Larry's turn to share a secret, and mm. he has as his secret a great shortcut to the valley. Now, mm-hmm. I believe you did some uh, research on this shortcut. I, research. I saw I saw on Twitter earlier today. Yes. So I, I, here here's the research I did. So I'm as a preface, let me just acknowledge I am not a LA guy. Uh, I'm not an LA fan either, to be perfectly honest. Um, but the main reason being, I don't like cities where you have to drive everywhere. I, I really like cities. I'm like, I like Northern California over Southern California. I love New York city. I, I love places where you can be a pedestrian or take public transportation. And it's sort of easy to go places without the need to drive places and sit in traffic and yeah. park cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things I'm not a fan of. Anyways, all that having been said, I decided to look it up. Uh, and I wrote Cassiano to Sepulveda to Mulholland to Longbow. To Woodcliffe to Valley Vista. This is Larry David's secret shortcut to the valley. So we start with uh, uh, Cassiano, which is this very long winding road that basically doesn't connect to anything until it hits Sepulveda. So unless you live on Cassiano, which maybe Larry David does, there's no way that's step one of like the secret shortcut to the valley. You would just start with Sepulveda. So that's my first flaw. And again, somebody from LA can write in and tell me why I'm a moron and why my Google Maps is very poor. But essentially... To get from L.A., downtown L.A., main part of L.A., whatever they call it, north to the valley, because the valley's north, which in my head, did you know that? In my head, the, the valley is south. Yeah, it's north, yeah. Yes, it's very much north. Uh, you have to go straight up the 405 the whole way. If the traffic is very bad on the 405, you basically drive parallel to 405, but on the side road, which for the first like 70%, two-thirds of the trip, Sepulveda goes directly parallel to the 405 the whole time. So this is not Larry David's secret. This is like a very common knowledge thing in LA. <laughs> I would do. And when I asked in our in our pretty, pretty, pretty good group chat, which if anyone wants to join, they can just hit one of us up on Twitter or email or whatever, curbpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately curbpostman at gmail.com. Uh, sorry, curbpostman at gmail.com. Thank you. He immediately messaged me, uh, Representative Eric uh, Gillen, or Guillen as I call him, and he said, yeah, my brother lives right there, and he says, yeah, he does this all the time. So <laughs> anyways. So it's not Larry David's big secret. But so then, yeah, so we go all, all the way up uh, Sepulveda along the 405. It crosses from the east side to the west side, but you're going along. And then as you get into some forest, I don't know what it is, but on Google Maps, it's green. Uh, near the Skirball, Skirball Cultural Center, you sort of, you go, Sepulveda goes up and veers off from 405. So that's where you get onto Mulholland. And then you start going back. You go east and you cross 405 and you're starting to go east again uh, in the north a little bit. Here's where things get confusing. So then Mulholland <laughs> hits Longbow, and which is like a, re- a residential street. You're like driving through a neighborhood. So this is a little bit of a Larry David shortcut. Fine. But then Larry says you go from Longbow to Woodcliffe. But Longbow and Woodcliffe, actually, they don't hit. They're a few blocks away from each other. Mm-hmm. So I zoomed in on the map further. And if you see on my red line that I drew on Twitter on the map, this part of the line I drew in blue. Uh, you got to go on a couple other cross streets, which aren't mentioned. Then you can hit Woodcliffe. And Woodcliffe goes all the way up again, parallel to the 405, and then you hit Valley Vista, and you're in the valley. Um, so, yeah, basically, Larry David's secret is go on the road right next to the highway that isn't the highway. <laughs> Take the service road. Yes. All right. Um, this was uh, Google Maps. But you know what? Uh, Gabby's completely correct. Larry's secret is not a secret. Larry's secret is Waze, or in this case, me <laughs> reading off Google Maps. Like, Larry's secret is No way. Nobody has a traffic secret in 2021 that no one else knows. It doesn't exist. 
Ye, right, yeah. I mean, if it if it actually worked, then I agree with Larry that his secret is much better than her secret because it actually improves life. Whereas the other one is just like, okay, that's a fun fact. No, but uh, when I say to you, do you want to hear a secret? You don't want your life improved. You want to hear hot gas. Um, I my my expectation would be hot gas, but if yeah. you instead gave me a shortcut that's going to save me twenty minutes a day for the rest of my life, I'll take that over. Yeah. Well, if I could take, if I, I don't know how, yeah, I guess it depends how often you're, you're going to the valley. So let, let's talk about that one also. So we will later discover that the funeral uh, for poor departed Saul Berman is at the very same synagogue where Rosh Hashanah services were, were held uh, last episode, correct? Or which, I guess, which is in the valley, you know. <laughs> which is in the valley. It's a different rabbi, of course, a uh-huh. uh, different rabbi for the uh, officiating the funeral. But so the synagogue that Jeff and Susie go to, frequently enough, for Susie to be hobnobbing with the rabbi and making uh, curtains and stuff, like, is in the valley. So they're going to the valley with, I mean, at least a few times a year. I don't know. Um, and yet, Jeff, you know, when Jeff will later say to Larry, oh, how come you never told me about it? Larry says, it's never come up. Like, it's never come up. Jeff is driving a synagogue in the valley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the valley comes up. Like, you go to the valley yeah. for one reason or another if you live in L.A. Like, well, you know, all I know is difference. from Clueless, which is everywhere in L.A. is 20 minutes away from each other except the valley. Yeah, maybe um, maybe the next Paul Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson movie will we'll cover this uh, shortcut to the valley. Yes. All right. Uh, it's also so Larry says it one time, and then she's like, can you repeat it? And he's like, no, she, she wants to write it down. Obviously, he's like, no, can't be wrist. Can't right. write some piece of paper on it. So, um, yeah, um, she somehow immediately memorized it anyways, even though she didn't know it was coming. And she 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 seems very turned on. She seems to appreciate this. this yeah, she uh, comes around. She comes around on it. Yeah. By the way, talking about how you shouldn't write uh, write down. Um, you know, secrets because it'll be caught. Right. Here's my, here's my son's uh, uh, tablet for school. Mm-hmm. Can you see that? No. <laughs> he 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 has a pin to log into it, and he says, "Well, what's my pin?" So I told him it's his birthday, twelve oh five fourteen. So he's like, "Oh, he wrote on a big piece of paper which he taped to the the machine, Kobe's pin, twelve oh five fourteen." Like, no, no, Kobe, that's not how you know t- technological security works. You know, yeah. you're requ- at your firm, you're required to take like a security like video thing once a year, right? Yeah, I just have to take that. Yeah. And one of the things they tell you is don't write your password to tape it to the screen <laughs> of the computer. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. who is this for? Well, it's for my six-year-old son. Yes, he's, you should show him the video. Yeah, he's very dumb. Your 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 house should require a, a video, yeah. annual video of the cybersecurity. Yeah, people are going to log in and like ruin his high score on whatever stupid game he plays. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Larry is like, oh, by the way, like what happened with you and Hal Berman? And she's like, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. So seemingly uh, she wasn't the one who ended it. Yeah. Um, uh, so as you know, they, they continue yeah, eating. A little bit of Seinfeld vibes here again. When yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that occurred that uh, Newman had dated. Right. Yeah. And Newman actually broke up with her. Right. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's more to Newman than meets the eye. Well, well, maybe there's less to help. Oh, Berman, Newman, you think that's intentional? No, definitely not. No, nothing's intentional. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as, as uh, you know, they continue eating and Larry's like getting his uh, soy sauce ready to put onto his food, the chefs get their ultimate revenge and yell, oh, I say, right in Larry's face. And he throws up the soy sauce in the air and gets all over the shirt. He's all, again another like very uh, feeble Larry. We have a yeah. you know a string this season of Larry. Uh, there's been a lot of like just like stains in this season. We had uh, the the wine on the couch. We had the uh, coffee on the Klansman robe. And now this week we have soy sauce on the shirt. So um, yeah, Larry's always bumping at everybody. Yeah, unless you think 
by the way, that this was just an accident. We cut to the chef looking at Larry with a very right. contented smirk. Yes. So, again, we are to believe that this chef was watching Larry David, watching the entry of each customer into the restaurant, and time the entry of another customer so that he could scream Arash Massey loudly enough for Larry pouring soy sauce simultaneously to be so startled that he would spill. This guy was confident that Larry would spill, and yet no one else in the restaurant would be affected, even though they're screaming out Arash Massey every 30 seconds, it seems like. Right, and and he he it was so important to do this because of the grave offense. Yes, he committed say uh, something once and then apologizing. Like, right, he, he heard a new word and he used it right away because he was excited about it. Yeah, so it's uh you know I, I called Hell Berman an asshole twice, but uh, suddenly the, the sushi is it one or two? I think both the sushi sushi chefs together. Yeah, and the maitre d is clearly in on it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's, he's smiling. Also, he he enjoys yeah, it. Yeah, he likes to watch. All right. Um, okay, so we're gonna head home. We're gonna we're gonna watch a clip now. Uh, this is a long one, so we'll probably um, maybe we'll we'll pause and split this into some pieces. Uh, but we got uh, Larry and Jeff in the kitchen, and Leon's on out in the living room trying to fix the TV. And Leon is wearing very much an old school Leon. Uh, we talked about you know what season would this be from? This is a season seven or eight Leon outfit. Whereas it, whereas in yeah. season eleven, it's much sort of a a little hoity toityer. But this one is <laughs> right. old school. Yeah, for sure. Had a great time. That's all I can tell you. It was a great date. Great date? I, I, don't, I don't know what Hal's problem was. What kind of things you talk about? We talked about general stores. <laughs> you did, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you bring your general store photo book I didn't, with I, you? I had photos in my phone of different general stores throughout the country. Well, that's your, that's your passion. Yeah. That's your passion. That's, passion. that's your great love. But, was it she was a good at conversation fun the conversation was flowing wow. so easily i even left my umbrella at the restaurant i got to go back and get it later but the rest of the date went well i mean there was one weird thing what was the weird she thing? wanted like to do this thing where we kind of swap secrets you know uh, i don't know what was her secret I, 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 you know i feel terrible it's me why would you not tell me i wouldn't like myself if i told you but you don't like yourself anyway you cannot say a word about this to anybody. <laughs> <That's not laughs> Come on. So yeah. hard to convince him. Well, she used to be a high school teacher. Yeah. She fucked one of her students. She fucked one of her students? Are you <laughs> fucking <laughs> one of her students? Ooh. Yo. Boy, that didn't take long. <laughs> All right, let's stop there. <laughs> Um, first of all, I love um, I love the general store bit because you can tell that like Jeff is like really laughing, like yeah. Jeff, like Jeff Garland is laughing, like he, like he, bullshit. yeah, like he can't believe that Larry just pulled general stores out of his ass, like that, that he now he's like now Larry's gonna have to explain over the next thirty seconds how yeah. they talked about general stores yeah. on, on the date, um, and then Leon's like, like Leon's like just like body moving his language as he just like prowls into the kitchen. Yeah, just, I laugh every time. You're right. He's like, I mean, you know, Kramer was famous on Seinfeld for the physical humor and for walking into the room every episode in a unique way. But yeah, JB Smoove has like not as like ostentatiously, like more quietly. He's done the exact same thing. It's like unbelievable. His physical, everything about the way he moves on this show is he's inherently hilarious in every single thing he does on screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff just immediately blurting it out. It's so perfect. Five seconds. By the way, look at it. We're pausing right now. We're staring at the three of them in the kitchen. Right mm-hmm. in the window, we see there's still no fence on that pool. So that's just not coming back. No. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Good call. Coming Good call. Up. Good call. All right. Let's continue. 
You couldn't keep that secret for five seconds. I didn't directly tell him. I indirectly but told him. But you did. That's so hot. Yeah. Crazy hot. Oh, Sorry. Pause again. I didn't directly tell him. I indirectly told him. If you scream something like, I don't want to be a lawyer here. Like I was going to say, right. You, you, well, for, also, you, you got you to put in the idea. Well, not directly or indirectly. Yeah. Always, yeah, always, mean, they always put that in like, there. Yeah, you are completely culpable here. If you scream something out, <laughs> if you scream out a secret, you are directly telling everybody. Right. You didn't indirectly tell them. You, you loudly said words that were heard by a person. So you yeah, directly you are, told that person. Perhaps you told them with gross negligence, but you still told them. Yeah. Uh, the question you could say Larry indirectly told Leon because because, because he, he told he told a loudmouth. Yeah. Um, interestingly, later we'll find out that uh, Gabby told the exact same two number of people. Uh, well, well, in- she claims there's only two, right? But meaning, yeah. So let's, so let's. I want to take a step back again. So we're living in the world where Gabby goes on dates for the purpose of telling guys a secret to turn them on, but also to acquire secrets from guys, which she can then go back and tell her friends gaining social you know, status in that circle, basically. Um, yeah, so far it's all been working out for Gabby. Yeah. You know what Larry David told me? You know, it's either going to be hot goss or it's going to be, hey, guys, I'm going to change your lives. Right. Uh, okay. Oh, I, have a, I have a counter secret. Just go on the 405 now because everybody's on Sepulveda. Um, Alex, are there any secrets that you would like to share with me and me alone right now? Absolutely. You go first. I go second. <laughs> um, I got a great um, shortcut to the George Washington Bridge from Tina. <laughs> yeah. What's here? Um, you get off of Jones Road. Mm-hmm. Instead of going right towards like where you live. I think you live right. You go right, right towards like Palisade. Instead of going right, you go left. And then there's like a street. You go all the way down. I forgot the name of the street. But like I would recognize it if I saw it. So you should only do this with me in the car. Um, it's like a like very steep hill. And it just and then like it just like goes alongside the highway almost directly to the bridge. You mean it goes along Route 4 or it goes along Palisades? Route 4. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, depending on if traffic's bad, I usually go like the Route 4. I usually go up. You go straight up Palisade. Basically into Anglewood Cliffs, not basically into Anglewood. Why, why, why are we discuss this on the podcast? Are we this Longbow. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares about this. Oh, wait, so is that your secret? Because that's not a good secret at all. No, my please. secret is Waze. <laughs> are you are you a Waze or a Google right. Maps person? I've got a secret for you. If you're hungry, yeah, uh, you can uh, call a restaurant and they'll deliver food for you. My secret oh. is uh, Snickers. Have to try Snickers. Um. So I mean, I'm Google Maps for directions. I'm Waze for traffic. Okay, so which, but what do you use? So in the car, you use Waze. Well, I mean, if I'm going from here to the city, I'm using Waze because I know how to get there. I want to know mm-hmm. what's the best way right now. Got it. I'm going to some place that I've never been to before, or I don't know how to get to, then I use Google Maps. I find that Waze is way too aggressive at like taking you off the road to save you like seventy five oh, seconds. I'm, I'm all about that though. Oh, I hate that. But, it's like you want to get off the highway to save a minute. Absolutely. <laughs> That's insane. Got to always be moving. If you're if you're staying in the lane, no, you got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. Completely insane. Got to be on the prowl. Yeah, I need to say be saving like at least seven minutes to like switch my route. Wow, like that. I mean, like, it, it depends on the length of the route, obviously. But like, if you tell me like I could go the way I normally go and it's gonna take me fifty minutes, or I can like go some like crazy way where I have to get off this and then it's gonna take me forty six minutes. It's not even a question. I'm going the regular way. Oh, yeah. Um, so when I, especially for longer trips, so for longer trips, I do ways because I like how it tells you where the cops are. 
um, because um, and my goal, of course, when, is whatever like the destination time is, how many minutes slash hours I'm going to beat that by. That's the goal, right? Yeah. It's just and, a quick, quick aside. How is it yeah. that Waze has still not been sued or maybe they have for this ridiculous thing where they ex- encourage you to use your phone while you're driving? Oh, yeah. You, how, how you have to, like, report other things yeah. that are going oh, on. Oh, tell, tell us if there really is 17 yeah. rocks on the side. What? What is and, this? And by the way, you're going to kill somebody. We're going to block the screen so that you can't see where you're going. So Jen and I drove back from Detroit this summer and it was in the middle of a flood or it turned out to be a hurricane hurricane. And um, so we got off the highway because the highway was flooded and we were driving on back streets. And literally, I mean, this is not an exaggeration, literally every 50 feet on ways warning flooding warning flooding which i tell jed i'm like you see the guy in that car right in front of us he's doing it <laughs> literally every 50 feet and every 50 feet i had to confirm 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 so jed was holding the phone and then we would stop okay was that a was that flooding no that was just a puddle we're not going to confirm this one we were confirming like 64 percent of them we were being like highly scientific yeah it's it's so a it's crazy safe. thing that they have you do very unsafe i agree with you we're debating. Do we confirm this one? Nah, nah. Oh no, this one. Yeah. Oh, this one. Went up <laughs> yeah. Then so, and then somebody drives off the road because they want to. Yeah. They're trying to, you know, look very closely to see like what color the, you know, the sign right, is. Let's on start a class action lawsuit. If you got in an accident, you think it's Waze's fault? Uh, email Av at kerpostman at gmail.com. Yeah. Let's take down Waze. It's enough. Um. Okay. Let's continue with this scene that we're stuck in the middle of. Real hot. That's that shit right there. Oh, I can't think of any teachers in my high school that I really want to have sex with. There was only one teacher but I, I, th- that I wanted, Mrs. Fish. I could tell you that Miss Rogers was not the cause of any tumescence among the young men. Miss <laughs> Rogers? High school. Yeah. What's your... Alex, any teachers that you uh, had a hankering for? That caused tumescence? I mean, when you're a high school boy, like a, a stiff breeze causes tumescence. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take yeah. much. Especially when you're a, a teenage boy in an all-boys high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, heterosexual or homosexual, probably either way, frankly. Um, yeah, just when you're a teenage boy. But it is there is something completely lecherous, but also true to me about how a group of guys, I mean, this is a horrible thing to say, like a group of guys hears this story and immediately each one thinks when I was in high school, who would it have been? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We didn't we didn't have a great uh, suite of options no, either in our high school. Not. Basically, if you were a teacher of the opposite gender under the age of 50, you were a supermodel. Maybe right. that's why given uh, the degenerates that we were going to school with. I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being uh, being a young female teacher in our high school was not okay. a good life choice. Well, yeah. let's pause. Being any teacher in our high school may have been Yeah. I mean, you don't. You just like don't want to be teaching. You know, like sixteen-year-old boys. Yeah, they're terrible people. I've tried to warn yeah. Jen about what's coming. She uh, she has four of them coming. Oh yeah, she's in big trouble. That's disgusting. I thought you can't. Yeah, and they all, and they all have Chester blood in them. <laughs> now you've got a little Kramer in you too. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I'll just wait. Hey, don't there get it's... any accidents around me and lose a lot of blood. <laughs> Looked like she was on death's door. <laughs> <laughs> Veins popping out all over her body. Yeah. Oh, man. In my case, I fucked a school nurse. <laughs> she was fucking fine as shit. Every time I had a tummy ache, I tapped that ass. So did you make up that you had a tummy ache just to go there? Yeah. To give me a spoonful of Pepto-Bismol and a fucking hand job. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution. He's got a wild <laughs> okay. imagination. So wait, wait. What was your secret? I, I can't tell my secret. Why? Right, hold on. It's no longer. <laughs> so, so you, you think Leon really fucked the school nurse? <laughs> well, well, it depends what your definition of fucked is, right? Like, so right. what does it mean to tap that at? Because 
I feel like a hand job is not an ass tap. I mean, when you're, you know, if you're in sixth grade and it's the school nurse, you tap that ass if you got yeah, a hand well, job. It's all relative. I'm more fine with him saying that he fucked the school nurse than I am with him saying he tapped that ass. Uh-huh. I feel like tapping that ass specifically requires like some kind of like penetration, general, like, you know, the tuchus has to be involved in some sense. Oh, that, that for sure not. It, no, no. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is it can't be purely the hand of one person. Oh, yes, but it doesn't, ha- does not have to involve the toughness. Of course it does. He has to be touching it, holding it near it. He has to be near it. Oh, he has to be near it, but meaning you could have... No, regular... I didn't mean anal sex. Oh, okay, well, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> you said it has to involve the toughness. I'm like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I meant the toughness is involved in the overall interaction, not it's the main target of... <laughs> so you thought I thought that it only made anal sex exclusively. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> Boy, a lot of people are tapping ass. <laughs> uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah. But so Larry immediately dismisses it as as Leon's wild imagination. So I guess, do we believe any of Leon's stories? <laughs> I mean, do we believe any of your stories? Does Is Leon even a real person? Does he exist? Or is he just in the world of like Larry and Jeff's imagination? Um. Well, Michael Richards has an interaction with him. Hmm. Well, Michael Richards uh, is, is, is thinks he's talking to a, an old Jewish accountant. We see him interact with other people. I'm, I'm yeah, confident. I was just, yes. We have a whole fa- a whole family moves in. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. You really think that uh, Vivica? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So well, Leon may or may not have. Leon with his diagnosis of the TV anyway. He's not a TV repairman. <laughs> yeah. Leon is probably not going to improve the situation. Yeah. He doesn't know that picture picture hasn't existed in 20 years. <laughs> right. Why hasn't picture picture existed in 20 years? It was great. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's, it can be useful. It it's, would be particularly useful to have every Sunday afternoon when like, let's say I'm watching, let's say like there's a Jets game on. So I like to watch the Jets and the red zone at the same time. And I would do picture in picture if no, I had that option. You, and the answer is what I'm looking at right now. The answer is two TVs. No, I know. But meaning if I don't want to, like, let's say it's like, don't have it handy. Like sometimes I just want to be like, okay, I'll go check red zone while the Jets game is in commercial, but I want to oh. be able to know when to switch the Jets games back. Now this hasn't happened in many seasons because oh. now I just, now I just watch red zone during uh, Jets games. Yeah. And, no, so, you know, yeah. I, I see the I see the one time that they're in the red zone and, yeah. they kick, and they kick a field goal. So I feel like the only time I don't need this is for football because the red zone already effectively produces this for us. Right. Um, and also because I have the two TVs or like and sometimes when I'm looking sometimes when I'm watching TV on my laptop, like if I'm not like if I'm in transit somewhere, I will open two different browsers right next to each other. Right. But um yeah, but for not everybody who has this access for just the one TV for sports is the main reason you want it. You have a basketball game on one channel, a baseball game on yeah. another. Like, like when if it's the same sport, they're automatically going to be even if it's not the Reds, you'll get frequent updates. But right. like if I have a basketball or baseball game going on at the same time, there's no way to know without yeah both. So picture in picture was a huge deal when we were in like seventh grade or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bring it back. yeah, very helpful. A secret. Yeah, but it's to me. Go. Okay. I got a shortcut to the valley. You got a shortcut to the valley. Yeah. You got a shortcut to the valley. <laughs> no one's got a shortcut. You fucking did it again. Oh, shortcut. You did it again. I apologize. I apologize. It was That's two secrets in the space of a few minutes. But you know a great shortcut to the valley. Yes, I and do. You never told me. It never came Never up. told him. If I tell you the shortcut, then it's no longer a shortcut. You're not getting the shortcut. Don't give me that look. I know that look. You're not getting it. Fix the TV. I can't fix that TV, man. That TV is fucked. It ain't gonna work. I tried everything. Seriously? Seriously. 
I need a new one? You need a new TV. I just got a new TV. It's great. Really? Best TV I've ever had. That's so? Yeah, come over and take a look. Oh, uh, Freddie's shirt. Wait a second. All right, let me get something to eat. Does your TV have a picture in picture? Oh, man. Picture in picture. Oh. <laughs> That's old. Look at this. Oh, my God. Oh, damn. What happened? I spilled soy sauce on it, and I tried to get it out with soap. What kind of soap do you use? You know, just dial. Bar soap? Bar oh, soap. That's the worst. Really? Oh, God. Yeah, how does he not know this? Stains. Soap stains? Soap, soap stains. stains. Who makes a cleaning product that stains? That's like a Band-Aid that cuts. Here's a little secret. Freddie's shirt is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks um, to take a bar of soap and use that to, like, wash clothes? Well, but it's not even that it would work or not work. It's just, like, why would you put in that much effort to, like, take it? Put it take it to the dry take, or just like take it to the dry cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Be like, hey, this I got this horrible stain. Can you, like, yeah. Now I happen to think that no matter what, like you could take, go to a dry cleaner, they're going to be like, sorry, this shirt is fucked. Like you got soy sauce all over it. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think this shirt is getting. But why uh, would you? Why would your first thought be, I'm going to rub a bar of soap on it? That's yeah, right. Id- idiotic. Like, like, is he seven or is he in his seventies? Like, he's never encountered. Oh, clothes got dirty before. Like, and the way that you wash them is not. You take a bar of soap from your shower and well, but but also we heard a beeping. So did he put it in the washing machine with a bar of soap instead of detergent? No, that's probably the dryer. That was probably the washing machine. I think that was the dryer. But but when you put it in the dryer, when you see it's already clean, it just it has right, to be dry. Right, right, that's true. That's true. That right, he would have already known that it was just, that it was wasn't yeah, fixed. Very, very strange. Um, uh-huh. As we're watching the scene, we he has been in both the car the car with both of those two people hundreds of times. They've gone to the valley together hundreds of times. Why he would have sat in traffic himself just to not, it doesn't make any sense. I'm rejecting the piece. <laughs> um, Again, yeah, I he, think you watch this. It works perfectly as a season five episode. Yeah. Um. So it's um. I guess the next day, Larry's back at the golf club playing golf. He sees Hal and he's like, "Hey, how's your dad?" And he tells him he's actually not doing so well. And he asks Larry if he'll pray, but Larry, uh, he's not so into it. He thinks uh, he'll feel like an idiot. Um, I will say that I've had a version of this conversation with my mother about a hundred times, like almost word for word, like not literally word for word, but like the same back and forth. Um, and how he's like, you know, um, you know, prayer has been integral to the Jewish people since we uh, were taken out of Egypt. And Larry views it as big of a waste of time as watching the Kardashians. <laughs> um, yeah. So how's like, I don't understand. Like, isn't like the whole point of joining a club like this to get like the sense of community and camaraderie? And Larry's like, no, I joined to play golf. <laughs> uh, also, I like pickleball. Yeah. We but should uh, remind me is the point of joining a synagogue? Is it for the community or is it uh, to pray? Yeah, community. Yeah. Um, we should set up like, Larry like on a pickleball like date with uh, Tyson. Mm. Uh, Punchline of the scene, of course. Yeah. So Hal is like, well, maybe it's like your prayer that's going to be the thing. And this, this is like my like my favorite part of the episode. It's like this analysis because like I, I literally like do this all the time. With your mom or- <laughs> yes. This is like one of the, the pieces that I always like say to her. It's like I'm sure your mom's very pleased. Yeah. Um, and like my, my favorite thing that my mom was me. She's like, she's like, what's the like so just do it? Like it it can't it doesn't hurt. There's no way it can hurt. I was like, how do you know? Like maybe like God's like system is like the exact opposite of what you think. And like he gets like annoyed when people like waste their time like saying prayers that like he didn't authorize. 
Yeah, well, uh, to the extent, I, I mean, if if the established point is that God is going to treat like the reaction on the earth is going to be a direct correlation to what you say or don't say to him, then I guess you're right that you don't know one way or the other that one is necessarily better than the other. God might say, Sinansky's praying to me? Fuck him! Right, who does he think he is? Exactly, right. Yeah. Why is he Why is, Why is he doing this? And like these, with one of these words that he's saying, like he should be like spending his time better, like watching basketball, which is enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I, th- I think prayer certainly has value, but uh, to say that it's, you know, th- that has value in many different ways. Let's, the let's deepest try. levels of hell are filled with people who wasted their time praying. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to turn into a bit of a, a theist here, like, you know, he says, how do you know prayers don't work? And he says, because I'm bald, like you're also rich and famous and you sleep with beautiful women. Like maybe <laughs> right. God heard your bald prayers and said, this guy doesn't want to be bald. He thinks bald makes your life hard. I'll give him the best life ever. So maybe Larry, your prayers did work, dumbass. But, right. Yeah. But just like fix the baldness. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> like, right. I'll give you the $500 million. Just give me my hair back. Right. Because right, there's always right. There's always like the dilemma where it's like, okay, someone is sick and like you're praying. And it's like, I'm praying to God that he should he should heal this person. I guess this is a different God from the God that made him sick in the first place. Mm. Well, but like, so, you know, Chris Rock has the bit about how, like, you know, being black is terrible. And like, like the, the one armed white bus boy wouldn't trade with him. Okay. So that's Larry's attitude based on being bald. Like, right. It's he would the worst give, thing. Give back all his money, all his success, right. for, everything. For, just, for that, luscious, just for a little bit of hair. Luscious locks. So, yeah. So how so Larry's like, I don't understand. Like, God's going to like say like, oh, the sun is praying. Okay, good. Yeah. Let's see who else. Oh, Larry David. Okay. Let's heal this guy. <laughs> I love that. Love that. <laughs> did you send this scene to your mom? Uh, no, I did not. I should. I should. We've literally had this exact conversation. Um, um, so that. Uh, yeah. Don't annoy your mother. Leave her alone. Yeah. I, if, she, if she wouldn't call me, I wouldn't annoy her. <laughs> you don't annoy me? I don't annoy you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we're, we're, we could have a detente. <laughs> Um, so Larry wants to know. Um, so you, what happened between you and Gabby? Uh, he's like, let me guess. You went to Katsuya, um, and he's like, and as, as for the breakout, let's just say, uh, as the great uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh said during his uh, Supreme Court hearings, as any good justice would, what goes around comes around. Yes, that's a principle of the law. <laughs> Um, so Larry uh, heads on up for uh, the uh, lunch day he's been dreading all day. I love, I love Larry's. Eh, he does. He doesn't buy it. <laughs> he's like, right? It's like it's it's kind of like the general. Like eh, I'll be fine. Yeah, which I use all the time when people are like, "Oh, this is going to catch up to you." I'll be fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Larry uh, goes to meet Freddie Funkhauser. He uh, greets him with, I would say, a mild uh, Russian say. Uh, tells him that uh, the date went great, except there was one casualty of the dates, uh, namely in the form of your shirts. Um, he didn't know soap stains. And unfortunately, Larry has even already called a shirt company and they don't make that shirt anymore. By the way, uh, didn't Larry literally go to a dry cleaner last episode for a spill on a shirt? Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a coffee shirt. So I think soy sauce is probably worse than coffee. Yeah, they're both bad. I don't know. But the point is, he's aware of like what you do in this situation. <laughs> right. Now, right. He did. He didn't take the Klansman's robe and try to wash it with soap. <laughs> it is. It is I it mean, is at least at least acknowledge the continuity again. Like, let us think this is not. Let us actually think it's season 11. Say, like, why do you put soap in it? Well, I couldn't go to the dry cleaner because he's pissed at me. Because <laughs> Klansman's robe. Right. Because I gave him a Klansman's robe. Myself. I would have appreciated if they did that. But yeah, yeah. this is a bottle episode. 
27 different scenes. Yeah, it's not a bottle episode. It just exists outside uh, space and time. Yeah. Uh, Except it is post-coronavirus. Yes, they do mention Corona later, yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so Freddy is, like, getting really upset. And Mm -hmm. the reason why is because, as it turns out, this was his favorite shirt. And when Larry hears this, he's just, like, apoplectic. He can't believe it. He's like, your favorite shirt? You gave me your favorite shirt? Are you insane? Uh, Larry's like, listen, like, I'll buy you, like, let's go shopping. I'll take, you know, I'll buy you any shirt you want. And Freddy's like, no, you have to give me your favorite shirt. Um, again, this is kind of like in the Hamptons where, like, where George is like, you know, you have now I get to see her naked, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, she's not involved in this. Well, but this is a little bit different because the shirt doesn't have its own feelings. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's like the, the, the eye for an eye doesn't make sense here. It's like, why should she, why should he get Larry's shirt? Like, like Larry's solution is correct. Like, let's go to the store and I'll buy you whatever shirt you want. Yeah, not like you specifically Freddy. get now you get to deprive me like the like the compensation shouldn't be it's like oh that larry like got to deprive freddie of his shirt it's like no he you lost a shirt i'll replace the shirt as best as i can but for, for, for what freddie wants is the emotional pain that he is suffering for his friend to suffer right but that's petty and spiteful that's yeah that's, oh, absolutely of course right. Freddie's an asshole in this episode yeah, yeah big asshole yeah big asshole uh. <laughs> um so yeah, so he's like, yeah, he wants this gray and blue two-tone shirt that Larry has. Um, but Larry's like, nope, you never give up a two-tone or a cabinet. Yes. He's finally learning. And Freddie heads off. Oh. Uh, Larry then, you know, another like random person uh, walks by and Larry greets him with an Arashi Masai. Mm-hmm. So finally, we get reunited with an old friend, Mr. Takahashi, played by the great Dana Lee, who we, uh, past listeners of the podcast know, joined us um was it season six? But it was season, or season seven. I thought it was seven. Season seven, the Black Swan. Yeah, and he told us he was coming on season eleven as well. That's right. We have, so we were the first to report um, the news that uh, Dana Lee was going to be back in season eleven as Mister Takahashi, um, and he comes over and he chastises and many, Larry. He had many others confirm that they wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, he chastises Larry for his use of the phrase. He really doesn't like the way he pronounces it. And he tells him the unfortunate news that Saul Berman has passed away. And Larry says, you know, it's interesting that there was no doctors around to help Mr. Berman. And uh, Mr. Takashi explains, yes, there's only plastic surgeons at this club. Yeah. And he warns him that if he had a joke about like wealth, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's a weird statement. Yeah. And he warns him that if he says a Russian must say one more time. He's out of the club. Larry's yeah. like constantly on thin ice in this club. Yeah. Now, but I, I, I'm going to call Mr. Takahashi on something. I want to make a citizen's arrest. We know they have very strict rules. You are not allowed to use your cell phone in the dining room. Oh, that's true. And Larry that's got true. banned for that. Now Mr. Takahashi's doing it. Um, yeah, well, maybe, you know, post-COVID, people became more reliant on the devices. Everyone's like, you know, doing yeah. Zoom meetings. So like, he had to allow it. Yeah. Zoom meetings. Everybody's making their TikTok videos at the, the country <laughs> club with this crowd. Um, so Larry is going to uh, head back to Katsuya to retrieve his uh, umbrella that he left it the previous day, and we're going to check out another clip. Oh, boy. We're not open, sir. Yes. Ah, Mr. Yeah. David. Hi. Uh, I left my umbrella here last night. Can you describe the umbrella? It's a green umbrella. It says Dallas Omni Hotel. Hmm. Yeah. There, there it is. It's right there. Oh, you mean the umbrella? Yeah. Yes. Why does it say Dallas Omni Hotel? 
I was staying in the hotel. It was raining. <laughs> they they, such they a let prick. me take the umbrella when I went to the airport. That's what they do for their guests. Should I return it to you or Dara Somni Hotel? Return it to me. I'll return it to the hotel. Anyway, it's really not your business. Give me the umbrella. No, no, no. We will return it for you. You don't need to return it for me. I'll return it myself. It's not your umbrella. But it's not yours either. I love the idea that they're going to mail this umbrella to Dallas now. But this is like just classic Larry David of like <laughs> defending himself from like the wrong thing. Like, as he said, they gave it to him when he left the hotel to go to the right. airport. They're not expecting it back. That's what they do for their for their customers. He doesn't have to return it. Like it is a gift, not a gift. He paid them thousands of dollars, probably, and they're like, "Here, I have a fifty-dollar umbrella," which they probably charge him for, by the way, anyway, on his right. bill, like they do. Like, why does he say, "Oh, I'll return it"? It just, you know, <laughs> tear your hair out. Right. He should. Right. He should reject the premise of this whole conversation. Yeah. He's like, "Fuck you!" Know, he's like, "Fuck you!" Know it's my umbrella. Like, yeah. Like your umbrella says, like Chase Manhattan Bank on it. Like they yeah. sponsored it. Like you don't have to return it to the bank. Yeah. Why does your shirt say New York Mets? <laughs> right, I mean, do, I'm doing a citizen's arrest and stealing your shirt and returning it to the city field. Yeah, where it rightfully belongs. Yeah, tell Mr. Uh... I borrowed it. I'll return it. Okay, okay. Mr. David, I will be honored to return this for you. No, it would be my honor if you gave it oh, to it me. Be yeah, more our honor. No, it's my honor. No, my, my honor. honor. My honor. No, I want that umbrella. That's my umbrella. It is not your umbrella. All right, enough of this. Just. Keep... Uh, you have no right to do this. No right. You're stealing. You want to I'm go? calling the police. Oh, you're let's stealing call the police. Yes. A bold man steal umbrella. <laughs> man. Yes, let's report. Now pause right there. You hear about the Dallas you you're that bigotry? Because <laughs> he is. <laughs> like, I know I'm your type. Oh, bald man steal umbrella? Like, I mean, that's like, you know, he's an anti-baldite. Well, I mean, everyone knows that bald men steal umbrellas. Like that's just yeah. like the most well-known stereotype. I in the mean, book. but to, to threaten a bald man with calling the police—I mean, that's a very racist thing to do. Yeah, because they don't. Have, we, the rest of us have our hair to protect our heads. Yeah, we don't need umbrellas. Yeah, this is unbelievable. This guy won't give the fucking umbrella. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna FedEx it to Dallas, yeah. <laughs> despite you. There's a dude. Did you see all those shit bows he's giving? Ah. <laughs> I see. Now I get the whole thing. You're upset about that I Hiroshima my save last night, no, right? No, yeah, no, customer's no. customer's not supposed to Hiroshima my I didn't know. Nobody told me. Oh, I told you. No. Like, it's not enough that he already, like, ruined Larry's night in his shirt. Yeah. Like, he still has to, like, screw him over the next day with the umbrella. Yeah. It's crazy. No, I mean, Larry did start screaming at the chefs after the spill happened, but. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. All right, but. You didn't have photo that ruined the initial. Oh, I'm sorry if I didn't follow the Arashimase rules. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh the, precious, the precious Arashimase rules. Only chef Arashimase. What a bunch of crap. I'll Arashimase anytime I want. I like Arashimase. It's very welcoming. It feels very good to Arashimase. And I'll continue to Arashimase. I didn't steal the umbrella. Okay, you're stealing the umbrella. Oh, you're stealing. yes. Yes, you're stealing. Oh. The Arashima say, oh, so sacred. Arashima say, Arashima say, oh, come on. I love that he goes back in that last time. Yeah. I love the the almost French way that he says it, regulation. But um, I, I do like, even though he's clearly the asshole in the scene, I do like at the end of the scene how he's just sort of sighs, like the exhaustion of dealing with Larry David, you know? <laughs> 
Um, so he heads to Jeff's house and Larry lets himself in with the secret uh, key under the rock. And he checks out the TV and he decides to stay and watch a Sherlock Holmes movie called The Woman in Green, which he selects over several other excellent choices, uh, mm-hmm. namely 1917, Palm Springs, uh, even Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a fine choice. The Wizard of Oz, of course, would be a wonderful choice for any occasion. Uh, but no, he settles on The Woman in Green on Turner Classic Movies, a uh, black and white uh, film, which is exactly what you want to be doing to uh, see the, you know, the full capacity of this amazing new TV that your friend wants you to check out. Yeah. Now, I don't have... Uh, like cable anymore, so it, I haven't done this in years. But like, when's the last time you went and just started scrolling through the channels looking for something to watch? But he's not even doing that. This is these were his. I was trying to figure out exactly what this is. I don't know what um program this is, but this is this is like some provider. It was just his on demand choices. Oh, it's it wasn't the TV guy, but he was looking. At yeah, because if you saw some of the choices were Hulu, like Palm Springs and 1917 were on Hulu, I believe. Oh, so he's just streaming through movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what this. Happen. Yeah, I don't know what this function is, but um, yeah. like or like which maybe this is Samsung or whatever. I don't know where which uh yeah, on my TV platform you can this just is. search like anything and it'll search all the things that you have. Yeah, yeah, I have that for Roku. If you don't have it, it'll tell you. You can download this app and subscribe to this. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like Apple TV, the way where, like, if you you could, like, sync it to all your other streaming services and then just watch everything through their app. And, like, it'll show you, like, you could watch this on Netflix or this on Hulu. or So it's it's kind of like that. Um, So, yeah, so he as he's watching the doorbell rings, he considers going to answer the door, then thinks better of it, decides not to, and uh, heads back to the couch. Uh, I think he does the right thing. It's just like it doesn't oh, make because like what if it's like, like he doesn't know who it is. What if it's what? If it's something really important, then it's a value that he's there. And if it's not important, then who cares? It's not important. Like what if it's like a neighbor or someone that's not going to be then it's going to be like weird that Larry David is just there by himself. Yeah. Hey, I'm friends with Jeff. And, you know, I, he, he he told me to come over right now. I, whatever. Yeah, I think there's like potential for just like now he has to like sign for delivery he's like i don't know if he's supposed to it's like, like doorman in seinfeld kind of like that um or Wait, just like come on so if you're at my house and i step out for a minute and there's a delivery you're not sure whether i want you to sign for it or not you think there's a chance that i want like i don't want you to sign i want the delivery to be rejected <laughs> i mean larry jerry does do that in seinfeld but right um yeah i i, I guess i would assume that you want to accept delivery yeah if you're at my i house don't know and we're, if you're at my house watching football and i say hey i gotta i gotta go drop my kid off or pick him up for birthday probably be back in 20 minutes and the doorbell rings you're not answering it uh, that situation is different than where larry's kind of here like incognito oh yeah with well to Susie, it's like it's not to jeff i don't know um yeah uh i don't know i think i think he should answer okay um yeah i think i wouldn't um will you answer the phone well no so the phone is of course very different you don't answer the phone why but because because the, the, somebody calling back is like they can take and do that in any two seconds somebody mm-hmm. is physically here right they're not, not and, they're, and they're, right they're they might not come back out right yeah. the, it's, and, and very likely the earliest they might come back is the next day or something yeah Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So Susie comes back and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? I mean, for, all, for all he knows, it could be Susie or Jeff. It's just locked out. They forgot their key. They're hoping the other one's home. Right. Um, and she's like, he's like, you know, he explains the whole story. He's like, all right, well, you checked out TV. Now it's time to leave. Um, yeah. He's like, no, but I'm watching this movie. I want to finish the movie. And she's like, no, get the fuck out. Um, she won't even DVR for him because that would require him to return at a later point to watch it. So that's out. 
Um, and this is when she mentioned he mentions that like oh somebody uh, rang the doorbell, but I have no idea who it is. And now she's like really pissed at Larry. She realized it was it was her dress, and now it's not here because of you. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like if I wasn't here, the person would have just delivered came here, and nobody would have answered, and they would have left. The same exact thing would have happened. Yeah, and he's uh, he right about this, obviously. Yes, he is right, but nonetheless, um. She, you know, keeps pressing and he finally agrees doing some like uh, Sherlock Holmes soliloquy. Um, and he, you know, he, he agrees to take care of the dress. So we head back I mean, uh, back to the shul. There, there's no reference shul, whatsoever to their last interaction, which was her sewing. the, the <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, this episode is clearly not uh, yeah. supposed to take place. Uh, yeah. In that situation. Um, so, yeah, it's the funeral. Uh, for Saul Berman, and we see Larry is in traffic because his shortcut is completely backed up, and he calls Jeff, and he realizes what we had said before, that Gabby must have blabbed about the shortcut, and now the whole word is out. Everybody knows about Longbow, um, and Larry decides, I'm too smart to sit in traffic. I'm not like these people. I don't know what they did to get here. It's not for me, and he turns around, and he heads home. And um, Jeff uh, hangs up and he turns to Freddie. He's like, you're not going to believe it. Larry uh, turned around and head home. He didn't want to be in traffic. Yeah. And Freddie's like, I'm sure you heard all about what he did to my shirt. And Jeff just like, you know, completely like echoes everything that Freddie says. Yeah. If my friend asked me for his favorite shirt, of course, I would give it to him. And of course, if he ruined that shirt, I would clean it or replace it for him. Yeah. Now, it is interesting here. Like, you know, Jeff doesn't want to take a side. Now he actually is sort of taking Larry's side. He's like, oh, you can't, can't give away your best. You're giving him your favorite shirt. Right. So he, right. When he's with Freddie, he agrees with Freddie. When later, when he'll be with Larry, no, he agrees with Larry. No, he's, he's, he's defending Larry to Freddie. He's saying, you, you should not have given away your best shirt. That was your mistake. Um, I think he then comes around and agrees with him. Oh. All right. Um, so we got we, we to go to the tape again. Yeah. Okay. We got to dispute. We got to dispute. Well, no, I think maybe you're, he comes again eventually, but he starts out by defending Larry. Maybe. Let's see. While waiting for that, I, so I don't like this idea that Larry thinks he's too smart to be in traffic, and he's not going to go. to I mean, we've seen him in traffic many times, right? <laughs> I mean, everyone has to go in traffic sometimes. Yeah, but also, like, if we go back to the map, Larry tells Jeff that he's on Longbow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And his and his shortcut isn't working. If we go back to my map, Longbow is eighty percent of the way there. Most of the drive is to Pulverda. To turn back when you're already on Longbow is madness. <laughs> You've got 80% of the way. Nobody drives 80% of the way somewhere and decides, oh, traffic's bad. I'm going to drive. You're going to be stuck in traffic. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right. Let's hear what they say. Yeah. I'm in too much traffic. Turned around and went home. Yeah. Did he mention to you what he did in my shirt? Why did you give him your favorite shirt? I well, guess it's my fault. You think it's my fault? No. What would you do if someone asked for a nice shirt? If it's my friend, I'd give it to him. And then if they spilled, what would be? Yeah, so I don't think he's being Team Larry. I think he's more saying, like, what are you thinking giving Larry your favorite shirt? Yeah, but but, but he, Freddie says, oh, it's my fault. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah I guess he doesn't really want to get involved. Too yeah, he, yeah, he wants to be Team Freddie when he's with yeah. Freddie. Um, okay. So um, Freddie then gets up to deliver his eulogy and he praises everyone who came out and sacrificed to be there today. Unlike Larry David, who turned around because there was too much traffic. He then goes on to say that Saul was the type of guy who would give you the shirt off his back, even if it was his favorite shirt. And if he was the one to stay in your favorite shirt, he would give you his own favorite shirt to make it right. Maybe even two favorite shirts. 
So it's the next day and Larry's uh, roaming the halls, of the golf club, and everyone is giving him dirty looks wherever he goes. And when he sits down with Jeff, Jeff explains it's because of what Freddie said yesterday in the, in the eulogy. And Larry explains that's because he stains, I, I stains his shirt. And Jeff's like, now, now he's completely team Larry. Who gives out their favorite shirt? Um, Larry then turns his attention to Hal and his grievances. And he's like, this is crazy. I went to his second wedding. I went to his 60th birthday party. How many things is somebody supposed to go through? It's crazy. Then throw a graduation on top of a bar mitzvah. There's no end to it. And Jeff explains that really, this is old Gabby's fault for blobbing. If it had not been for her blobbing, none of this would have happened. And this is where Larry raises his theory that the reason yeah. why Gabby and Hal broke up is because she probably did the whole secret game thing with him. And he told her about the mother-in-law and she told everyone. Yeah. Now, of course, it turns out that he's correct. Or <laughs> we're, we're, but like for him to assume all this is very far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, but he's spot on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't. I guess. Yeah, doesn't you're, right I mean, that. yeah. I mean, maybe his uh, his analysis is wrong, but his conclusion was right. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I like to focus on process, not results. Yeah. So Mr. Takashi comes over and tells him that just like on this very podcast, they will be observing a day of mourning in honor of Saul Berman. And there's to be no levity, no chuckles, no smiles. Yeah. Um, Larry, that he's just like, I don't, this is crazy. He's like, oh, you're like, you're Japanese. Can you go to this Japanese restaurant and get my umbrella for me? What is yeah. this? Yeah. Like, why would Mr. Takahashi be able to get it? Yeah, because, you know, he's Asian and he's Asian and, you know, it's all the same. Yeah, Mr. Takahashi is just like, just get a new umbrella. Who cares? And Larry's like, no, this is the best umbrella ever. It could survive like in gale winds. And Mr. Takahashi says no such umbrella exists. But Larry says, no, it does. But he's like saying, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this for you. Go to hell. Yeah. So Larry goes to pick up the dress. And now, of course, if this, yeah. so Larry says that he only owns this one umbrella because, you know, it's irreplaceable. Why does he just call the Dallas Omni Hotel and ask for another one? <laughs> right. I'm sure they'll happily ship him when they will FedEx him one and charge him $140 or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Larry's uh, leaving the, the dress store with the dress and it's in this in, in its nice plastic bag. And of course, uh, without Chekhov's umbrella, he gets stuck out in the pouring rain and he very foolishly tries to use the bag as like a, a cover for his head. Uh, this was one of the one of the like early uh, like Snap, uh, screenshots that was like on the internet of like footage from this season was the image of Larry David with the the plastic over his head. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and the dress falls out on the floor. Now, of course, it's ruined. He brings it over to Susie. She's like, no "What good. the fuck is this?" He says, "No good." Hmm. And she slams the door in his face. Rightfully so. Yeah. So everybody's blaming Larry for everything here. I mean, I guess this one's a little bit his fault, but. <laughs> This is this one's his fault. I, yeah, I, I but like Freddie hijacks a eulogy for personal vendettas against a random third party, and everybody is pissed at Larry. Like Freddie is the one who ruined Saul's funeral. Larry's not yeah. appearance would not have been noticed by anybody. Yeah, Freddie's a big asshole. Yeah, we'll get to Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so for our final scene, we're uh, first we're heading we're heading there for the date. And they're in the car and, you know, they're talking to Schmoozin about style of dress, which uh, Larry's is pretty casual. Generally, he doesn't mind tuxes per se. He just doesn't really like the types of places one has to go in a tux. But he'd be completely cool just hanging out at home in a tux watching TV. Now, this is because she compliments his two-tone, which he says two-tone means you have a different color on the inside and the outside. (laughs) That's a reversible shirt. Yeah, I don't know what Larry's talking about here. Yeah, yeah, two tone is is a two tone. Shirt was blue and part of the right. Kind of like, 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 like,
Yes. Uh, yeah. Why would who who cares what the color of the inside of the shirt is? Like, why would that make it your favorite shirt? I mean, I own a reversible button-down shirt, or a couple actually, I think. But it's you know, uh, is it my favorite? No, but I, I could, if I mean it's unique, so I could see it being someone's favorite. I guess. Yeah. I own, speaking. We were speaking about ties earlier, so there's some ties that like the inside of the tie is just like plain black or whatever oh, I have color a couple the and then there's and then there's not reversible ties. It's but like the 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 back or the bottom of the tie. Like sometimes it's just like black fabric, and sometimes there's like a nice pattern in there. Yeah, I like the ones that have a nice pattern. But do you have any actual reversible ties? Um, I've had reversible ties. The problem they with up, reversible ties they end up becoming no good because of like the way like the ridges are like ends up looking weird. Oh well, yeah, I guess if you're like, fully from, like from tying it, like you, my like, issue you, with it is because both sides are like of equal length and width so it's like mm. normally when you're wearing and this we're talking about like such a long time ago when i used to wear ties like who cares anymore but like the tie like the front part of the tie is obviously thicker than the other part of the tie is much skinnier you don't see it but with the reversible tie you always see both which i guess is right. part of the point because they're like equal sized right so anyway ties, well. ties. ties I, I feel like i'm talking about high school like such a long ago thing yeah um so Larry's like, so what's the deal with you opening up your big John Gentile mouth about my shortcut to the valley? And she's like, well, you know, I only really told two people that couldn't have created this whole traffic jam you're talking about. And he says, of course it did. It's just like the coronavirus. You tell two people, they tell two people, they tell two people. Yeah. And Larry's like, listen, I'm not thrilled with how this is going, but I'm just letting you know, I'm still considering having sex with you. I'm leaving it on the table for now. We'll see how it goes. Which I Which, think uh, is a very smooth way of bringing up sex. Yeah, Gabby's amused by it. You could tell that, like she, uh, she thinks he's funny. Um, and Larry and Gabby walk in, and the chefs start screaming. The first, I don't know if they first start a Russian but then they just start yelling out uh, that Larry um, uh, is a thief, and then they start yelling out that Gabby slept with the with the students, and that she gave him a blowjob in the car, and that they went to prom together. And she's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe you told them. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, didn't, I have no idea. what's. What, I don't know what's happening right now. I'm like, just as surprised as you. And she storms out. And we look over and we see that Berman has been camped out next to the sushi chefs and been feeding them the information. And they, uh, they uh, say each other or whatever they say to each other. Uh, so he screams out, um, Goshi Tusama Deshita. <laughs> what you say after you finish your meal. It basically means like, thank the chef. Uh-huh. So in other words, Arashima say is what the chef says to you when you come in. Goshi susuma deshita. Apologies for mispronunciation. That's what you say to them when you're done. And then uh-huh. and then they say back to him, Arigato Gozomashita, which is... <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um and Larry uh, very uh, gentlemanly tips his hat to Mr. Berman. <laughs> a, a, a job well done. Well mm. played, sir. Yeah. So my that's sort of like my issue with the final scene is the fact that like Larry doesn't lose though. His tipping the cap is saying, well played, sir. Like he doesn't give a shit about what the chef says that he steals umbrellas. Like Gabby's the loser here. She has permanently lost access to her favorite restaurant after 101 visits. She's publicly known as a student fucker. Like to me, there's something mildly unsatisfying about someone like else other than Larry being the big loser. Right. Um, well, well, you know, he, he will become the, the big loser in a moment as he heads out and it's pouring rain. Yeah. And he sees Mr. Takahashi walking uh, to his car, very nicely covered by a wonderful umbrella. 
And Larry yells and says, that's my umbrella. And Mr. Takashi responds with a line that completely killed me and was like, I love one of the best uh, endings in, re- in recent memory. And he says, no, <laughs> it's the Dallas Omni Hotel's umbrella. So are we to believe that after Larry asked Mr. Takashi to go into the restaurant and collect it for him, Mr. Takashi went out of the restaurant and said, hey, that dumbass Larry David <laughs> sent me here thinking because I'm Japanese, I'll take the umbrella. Actually, it's a nice umbrella I hear. Uh, you don't say. I forgot that term. Uh, so can you just give it to me? And they're like, yeah, you're sure Japanese and it'll fuck over Larry David. So here it is. Yeah, That's I think I- he, he went and got it. And he's like, oh, this actually is a pretty awesome umbrella. I'm just going to keep it. Well, oh, you think he went and got it with the intention of returning it to Larry? Oh, no. Whatever. Yeah, he just whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe, why, maybe he happened to why did the guy give it to him? What did he say to the guy to get it back? He, hey, do you have Larry David's umbrella? I want it. And the guy's like, yeah, fuck Larry David. I'll give this to yeah. this guy. He says, as long as you promise not to give it to Larry David. Oh, no, fuck him. I'm not giving it to <laughs> yeah. Larry. As long as you don't give it to either Larry David or the Dallas Hobby Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me ask you another question. If I, like, next time I'm in a Japanese restaurant, if I yell out the Goshi Susama Dishita at the end, would that be kind or would that be like cultural appropriation? Like, look at this pathetic white guy. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think it's the latter unless you could like pull it off very elegantly, which requires you knowing how to correctly pronounce it and use yes, it yes, and yes. have the right cadence. Like if you say like an idiot, it's insulting. Yeah. Like but if, if you... I watch Hal Berman like 10 more times, I'll be ready. Yeah, I think if you can say it appropriately, then it's OK. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like in uh, Soup Nazi when he says, por favor. Right. He says, ah, oh, por favor. Like, <laughs> he says, I'm one eighth Spanish. He, what, what does he say? And then he kicks yeah. him out. I don't remember the exact line. Yeah. We were we were at dinner with another couple uh, last night. And uh, oh, did you hear my, my Seinfeld sex argument? No. Oh. Yeah, AB and others immediately mocked me mercilessly for this, but I stand by it. Uh-huh. Um, I said I would give up sex for one month if in that month my wife would watch all. Uh, this is assuming like like sex is like so horrible that my wife wants to give away, but whatever. It, but I, I said I would give up sex. Which is for, fair. Uh, hypothetically for one month, if yeah. she would watch all 180 episodes of Seinfeld. And everybody said I was insane. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of it depends on how how many times in that month you'd be having sex otherwise. But it's a short term investment for a long term gain, right? It's the marshmallow test. I can I can survive one month for like because uh, I want I don't I want sex. I'm like George. I want sex and Seinfeld and everything. Right. And I'll get it all for the next sixty years, hopefully. Twenty years, ten years, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a month isn't that long. Yeah, I mean, you could survive a month for a lifetime. Now, if I went, I've got I've got many months without sex. <laughs> yeah, like most of the months, the first half of my life, almost all of them, actually. 100 percent of the months yeah. up until a certain age involves yeah, zero exactly. sex. Exactly. Um, it's not <laughs> ideal, but, you know, you know what I had to get last week through all those times I had Seinfeld. <laughs> exactly. You would have made it without either. You can never have sex again and never watch. Okay, in that case, I take sex. But <laughs> did you have sex in high school? No, I was watching Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So that's that, that's what I said. So, anyways, so then I, I I quoted Seinfeld at dinner last night, and none of the people at the table were Seinfeld watchers. It was a big loss. That's a shame. Yes. Um. All right. So this, that's our episode, right? That's our episode. Boom! 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 boom, boom. All right, uh, uh, why don't you tell us uh, what's your rating? Um, so yeah, I, 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 we said at the top of this episode, this is that this is just like a classic throwback 
uh, solid episode of Curb. And for that reason, I'm just going to rate it appropriately. And I'm just going to give it a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, right meaty middle part of the curve. Just like, as we said, just a classic, typical Curb episode. It's, you know, it's like replacement level. This is like what you what you get week in, week out with Curb, just like zaniness, fun stuff. Uh, good lines and it th- this one just like really does tie together all the disparate plots and just like the way that curb does when it's doing that at its best in my opinion yeah all right uh, i'm gonna call an all i'll do something i've very rarely done on this podcast so i came in and um you know i i came in with a i was gonna give it a a rating of two pretties i ranked it 70th out of the 86 episodes and to be clear like this is not it's not a reflection of me disliking this episode. It's just how good Curb is in general that like a replacement, this is a replacement level episode. Um, And my argument basically was from this episode, what will I remember a few months from now, let alone a few years from now? You know, as we said, you won't even know what season it is. You know, there's no reference to young Larry, obviously or anything like that. Any of the through lines. Um, There's a lot of things that we've seen before Asian open kitchen chefs yelling at customers as they walk in uh, Larry and, and, and and his friend fighting over a shirt, um, a two-toed shirt, by the way, uh, so a lot of it seems like it's been covered before, not particularly memorable. However, mm. like, you know, first, and you know, last week's episode, of course, which I really liked on the second watch even more. And I think I'm going to watch it a third time because, it, you know, it really went places. This one, it didn't go places. But even while we were doing this podcast, I was really enjoying it. The scenes we watched were very, very funny. Um, I mean, I enjoy doing this podcast every week, but like I enjoyed specifically thinking about the episode more than I was expecting to think of uh, enjoy thinking about the episode. So I'm going to call it audible on the air and I'm going to rake it. Uh, I'm going to improve my rating from pretty, pretty good and 70th out of 86. And I'm going to say it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm throwing another pretty in there and I'm going to have to. Wow. Like 50s a whole a whole nother pretty live a on the air. Nother, jumping like at least 20 spots. Yeah. I, if I've done that before, I've only done it like once. So yeah, that's definitely a uh, change for me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've moved it up from first viewing to second viewing, but not on the podcast too often. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. I'll go first with the come with guy. And again, I'm going to go in a place that I think would have surprised me, uh, previously me anyways. Uh, I have never been the biggest fan of uh, Vince Vaughn as Freddie Funkhauser. So I'm almost shocked to hear myself say this, but this is Freddie's best episode. He gives the man his best shirt. Uh, he does. I said that really stupid, but appreciated. Oh, I burnt myself. I really like that. Um, the way he rats Larry out at the funeral. That's a classic Marty Funkhauser move. You know, <laughs> I respect the play. And you know what? Freddie Funkhauser, Vince Vaughn, you've grown on me. Congratulations. You are my come with guy. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to just go, you know, we're doing vintage curve this week. So I'm going to go with the uh, vintage come with guy. And I'm going with my man, Jeff. Um, he's like very much embodies the nature of come with in the way we talked about that. Like when he's with Larry, he's team with Larry. When he's, when he's with Freddie, he's team Freddie. Uh, when they, when they're both there, he doesn't want to get involved. Like he's, you know, he wants to be everybody's buddy. Um, he isn't great with, uh, you know, being discreet about information, but like, that was, I was just like the funniest part of the episode when he, when he keeps blurting it out and he, I guess he's hooking up Leon with all the, with all the good info. So, um, yeah, Jeff's the come with guy. Um, the, you know, the one true come with guy as always. Mm. Previously, do you know how many times you've given it to Jeff before? Um, I'm going to guess six. I have given it to Jeff six times. You have given it to Jeff only three times. Oh, okay. So now four or now three? No. So now four. This is the first time you've done it since season four, episode one, the premiere. 
Really? Season four. Yeah, so you gave it a few times in the early season. So, yeah. So, uh, I've given it to him since then. One, two, three, four. Oh, no, no. Excuse me. The, the last time you solo gave it to Jeff was season four. You uh-huh. both gave it to him in season four, episode five, season five, episode six. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, you know, it's not six to three. It's nine to <laughs> nine to five. Eight to five. Nine to five. Now, now eight to six. Anyways, he's gotten a total of six. Oh, so I was right. So, six was right. Well, now it's six. Wait, hold on. I, let me count again. One. Aye, aye. <laughs> three, four. Yeah, this is the sixth time. Yes. Six for you. Yeah, six for you, eleven for me total. Okay. Uh, so when I so when you asked how many times have have you given Jeff come with guy and I said six, you should have said yes. Yes. Let's do the fucking asshole. Yes. Off three. <laughs> oh no. Is it gonna be an on air switch again? <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Right, you can go first. Um, so for my fucking asshole, uh, there's there's a lot of good options for fucking asshole this episode. This episode is uh, teeming with fucking assholes. Um, you know, you can go with Gabby. You could certainly go with Hal. Um, I was thinking for a while I was going to go with Freddie, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, you got to go with the maitre d, the host of uh, Katsuya's, who just like completely turns, you know, makes a mountain out of a molehill with this whole Arashima save thing. It should not be that big of a deal. Maybe, maybe I'm misreading some cultural thing that I don't know about, but this seems like not a big deal. Um, and then he just like steals Larry's umbrella. I mean, you can't, you know, this guy, the, the lengths he'll go to to get back at Larry for what to me was a very inconsequential infraction that he apologized for. Uh, by all means, I mean, come on, this is crazy. So, yeah, Maitre D, I don't even think you have a name. You're the fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting how you say, oh, there's so many candidates. I watched this episode twice, and after two, I didn't have anybody. And I thought, can I just go into the episode with nobody? You know, look, you can't give it to Hal because, as we said before, like, Larry isn't even pissed at him. Like, Larry's like, oh, good move. Um, right. Anyway, Hal reminds me of Henry Horn, the guy, you know, the son of racist Judge Horn. Yes, good call. And But, like, I looked at the actors. Grant Shoud and Rob Morrow look nothing alike. But for some reason, they're the same person. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They do have a similar look. And so after my two viewings, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go way off the board. I'm going to give it to someone who there's no chance I was going to even think of because uh-huh. name. I'm going to give it to the restaurant host played by Sonny Saito. But you just put it on all the reasons. Like, you know, Larry has no ill intent the first time he says Arash must say. Uh, he does not need to steal Larry's umbrella and ruin his life and the life of poor Gabby McAfee, who is just collateral damage. But, but, but is it McAfee or McAfee or? Like the she, owns, she owns the antivirus company. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't that guy go crazy? He went to like an island and became like a weirdo or something. I don't know. The McAfee guy. Yeah, John McAfee. Anyways, uh, fuck you, restaurant host. Although uh, Sonny Saito, the actor, does a wonderful job. I would you stop with the Ted dance? <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. And yes, we do have a celebrity uh, celebrity sighting. We got Julie Bowen. Well, we have, yeah, so we have Julie Bowen playing Gabby McAfee, of course, or McAfee. She is less famous and she's like she's not a that a that girl but she's not nearly as famous as ted dancing he's not as famous as ted dancing i think she's more i guess i guess i i have no gauge of what people watch i mean modern family was like very popular right yeah no i think she's absolutely no she's on my list she's definitely a celebrity whereas yeah. rob morrow i think is not to me rob morrow's a that guy yeah she's way 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 more famous than rob yeah morrow. No, question. but I, I didn't. When I saw him, I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's Judge DeJulio from Billions. I didn't know his name. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The Ringer uh, this week did a an oral history of celebrity cameos on Curb. Oh, really? And uh, I, I haven't had a chance to read yet, but it looked Wait, interesting. Writes articles still? I'm not. I mean, asking as a joke. I did not. Um, yeah, they write articles. Sure. Oh, oh. Uh, 
feel like how are these things not entering my uh like circle of awareness i don't know but um i i, I haven't had a chance to read it yet it's like an open tab in my browser for like ah, okay. the last yeah, day or so that, send me that link i will definitely uh Okay, yeah, Not I like will literally been charting that for the last couple of years. Postman, postman, come here. here Tell okay. the neighborhood right, what a shonda, Larry, uh, uh, Larry uh, David. Uh, uh, Not you, you are lousy Jew, but you're a lousy human being. He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair. A shonda. Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew. Postman, postman. Um, we have a lot of new. Uh, Postmans this week, postmen and postwomen. And um, yeah, a lot of new people writing in this week. It's very exciting. Um, as a reminder, you could always write in to us at curbpostman at gmail.com. We include that in the show notes as well. You could just click in an email, it should open up on your phone. Uh, you can also find either one of us on Twitter. I'm at A. Sinensky. He's at A. Chester 99. You could hit us up there. Um, Alex said before, we have a WhatsApp group where uh, we're both in there and we have a bunch of uh, friends of the show who uh, we just a chat curb during the week. Um, and yeah, so that, that's kind of how you can find us. You can always, of course, go rate us on iTunes and give us a score, high score and write really nice things about us. Um, and if you want to send in your rating or questions or feedback about the episode, you send it to kerpostman at gmail.com, as I said before, and we'll read it here on the show. Um, so yeah, you'll see a lot of new names this week, a lot of old names, and let's get to it. First, of course, we've got MJC back in the leadoff spot. He says, another solid episode. Julie Bowen playing a character kind of spits on my Kaylee Cuoco is too famous argument from last week. Probably the best use of Vince Vaughn so far in the series. Uh, so he's with you, Alex. Uh, come with guy is Jeff. He's with me. And the fucking asshole is Mr. Takahashi. And he gives the episode three and a half pretties good. We then got an email. Uh, this came in just before we started recording from a fellow named Shubham Goel. Um, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but the uh, the subject line was just the two of you, right? And he goes on to write, it would be nice to have this podcast back in my life. The two of you are good men and thorough. Sometimes, unfortunately, you have a guest on the show. Thorough. Thorough. Sorry. Sometimes, unfortunately, you don't have a guest on the show who doesn't understand comedy and thinks they are funny. It's nice that the two... What? This is an old... It's, 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 it's a subtweet of an old. It's an old one. I think it's not, it's not a commentary on any recent guest. No, no, no. Yes. I, I, no, certainly nobody should uh, assume this is talking about any specific guest. Um, it is nice that two of you respect comedy and also would. Please be confident enough, enough in your abilities to host a show without guests. No guests, no guests, no more guests. I'll dispense with the vagueness. Carry on. Uh, I, I think we have some bad news for sure. <laughs> yes. So um, Mr. Uh, Shubham probably enjoyed this episode very much. Uh, just me and Alex. The bad news for him, and what I think is probably good news for everybody else, I think um, I think it's good news, is that we are uh, fully booked with guests for the rest of this season. Uh, we've got some names that we're very excited about, um, some names that we're less excited about, but, you know, there's, obviously there's always a hierarchy, but they're all names that we're excited about, at least somewhat. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be a really fun back half of the season. Um, we got, you know, we got a inside scoop that maybe the uh, second half is really where the season's going to kick into high gear. And we're hoping that that uh, 
is the case. But I think uh, this podcast is really going to you know kick it into high gear. We have a I think a really fun lineup over the next five weeks as we uh, hit the back uh, the back stretch of the season. Yeah, and and I mean I, I do agree with him though. I do enjoy doing the podcast just with you, and I think in, it, it there's there's pros and cons both ways. And uh, you know we will we will have guestless episodes as well. We still have to do seasons nine and ten, of course. But, yeah, uh, we, we like to mix it up. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the uh, I would say that the overall level of uh, guest is going to only increase. Where you know it's it's gonna it's not gonna be so easy to come on pretty 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 good. Uh, you know, going forward, you know, <laughs> our standards have gone up a little bit. Larry, stop calling us. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. you were on the podcast once already. It's enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to talk on the podcast too? Okay, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see how much you know about Curve. We'll send you a quiz with some questions about Curve. <laughs> you would not get any of them right. All right. Uh, next, we go to another new writer, a man named uh, John Gormley, who says, hey, guys, another solid episode of Curb. Usually the midseason episodes have little to nothing to do with the ongoing story arc, which was nice to see here. We see the return of Robert B. Weed as a director. Hot take. This man is the worst director in Curb. Oh. He just seems to suck the life out of every episode he does, and they all feel dry. Plus, I find his personality insufferable. Oh, well, I don't know how you know him personally. Um <laughs> It's a good thing we don't have uh, Robert yeah, White on the podcast. My mother-in-law. <laughs> Larry, however, is the counselor that makes most of the episodes. He's directed the masterpieces. I can't help but imagine how much better all his batch of his episodes would be if, say, Larry Charles directed them, who is long overdue a directing credit again at this stage. Uh, I think he is... Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I thought I saw that he was on an episode, but now I'm thinking that I'm just confusing it with a season 9 or 10 episode that is still coming up for us, but has happened many years ago for the rest of the world. Um, he says Vince Vaughn did well today. Not the most in-depth story, but his lines were pretty funny. I wonder if an ongoing character trait he will have becomes having a few a huge fallout with Larry, only to be great friends again next week. Similar to the Susie Larry relationship. If they do continue with this, I'd be on board with him hanging around a few times each season, somewhat like a more toned-down version of how Larry got on with Ben Stiller. Freddie Funkhauser sort of feels a little like the Jerry of Curb now. I never saw someone like Jeff Leon or Richard playing a Jerry-like character, so translating a lot of Seinfeld seats onto Curb, I can imagine Jerry being Freddie and George being Larry, of course, yeah, when they're getting along. There. What? It's a very interesting insight. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good That, jo- that George Costanza is kind of like Larry David. <laughs> no, but Freddie has like come out of nowhere, and he's been, like Vince Vaughn is almost like the Seinfeld of Curb now. Yeah, he's right. He's like the straight man to do. Although usage rate, but like, yeah, we're all in his scenes. Yeah, he said, "Come with guy is Jeff." Even though he repeated Larry's secrets out loud, it wasn't that bad as he was in public. He supported Larry when Freddie talked shit about him, and the fucking asshole is the restaurant manager for everything he did in this episode. Overall, he says it's pretty, pretty good. Take care. I don't know how I thought this was like some like under the radar pick and everyone's picking it. I'm like, yeah, know. yeah, it wasn't that matter. He's the villain of the episode. Yeah. You know the huge <laughs> asshole who screws over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna say that the fucking asshole of World War II was Hitler. Yeah, uh, hot take. Oh, oh, oh. I don't think anybody else had him. Or or H as he was called last night. Uh, yes. Night on, uh, show. <laughs> yes. H. Yeah. Um, all right. Next so up, we hear show just gonna start embracing Nazis and uh in uh every show is about Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up is Ken Eisman writing in for the first time, who says, I didn't pay atten- enough attention enough to. Uh, I don't know him. No, oh, I know him. I... Like, oh, it's my good buddy. I mean, he is our good buddy, but uh, he's a new buddy. He's a new buddy. Yes. Uh, he says, I didn't pay enough attention to do a proper run through like you guys do. However, I have a few comments. Number one, what do you think Larry David's obsession is with Japanese culture? That is, yeah, he, he yeah. is very uh, interested in the Japanese and they're, you know, the bowing. And the chanting, um, I think he just—I think he likes like the formal 
nature of it. I think that's what what amuses him is how formal it is. It, and also because it's so foreign, it's something that he's so unfamiliar with. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, and it's like the uh, right. There's like a like a staginess to it that it feels yeah. like he he uh, he gets a kick out of. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I really desperately want to go there, so maybe I have the same thing. I don't know. He wonders: Has there been a better show that has described dating post fifty years old than Curb? Golden Girls. Well, so okay, so has there been a better show that does this? No. Has there been a show that's better at it? Probably because. I think the you know the post fifties dating life as depicted on Curb is probably not <laughs> the lived experience yeah. most. Most uh, well, old men don't get to date supermodels and actresses. Yeah, um, he gives the episode pretty, pretty, pretty good, and then he asks one final question: How come tweets don't get mentioned in the podcast? Um, which I didn't know that they didn't. I mean, they don't. They don't necessarily not. Um, I guess we he must have tweeted something that we uh, that That's we missed sorry, or did or didn't mention. Uh, we would absolutely if you if you send us a tweet, unless we for, don't send it to Alex, he probably won't um, remember. Well, I think you get a lot of tweets after the episode, but if you want it to be on the podcast, then you tweeted us before we record the podcast. Maybe people don't know when we record. Yeah. Podcast. Um. Okay. I mean, if you tweet uh, and 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 you know, oh, tweeted us Sunday night. Yeah, we'll um we'll do our best to try to remember that. In fact, um our next uh our next comment is from Daryl Cooper on Twitter, who says this was the best season eleven episodes in season one. So there you go. Um Ken is immediately disproven. We do retweets on the podcast. <laughs> Did you set that up? <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Um yeah. Ken also says that he thinks we both underrated last week's episode. And he well, says, Thanks, Kenny Eisman. I we also say thanks for loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, there, there, I did see a lot of people calling it like an all time great curb episode. So well, I, def- do, I, I do. I was saying this tongue in cheek, but now I am planning it. Whether or not we podcast it after we finish season 10, I'm going to go rewatch season 11 in order and, and rank the episode sort of from a clean slate. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, listen, I don't, I don't think necessarily if you have issues with the episode, you'll probably some of those issues will probably still persist. But I saw a lot of this is the best curb episode in years, people. So that it definitely landed with a lot of people that way. Yeah, but I heard multiple people say that this week's episode was their favorite episode of the season. Yeah. And I actually told a couple of them. I said, send in a comment. I gave them the curb email. address. I don't know if they did. We'll see if they come up. Um, our our friend uh, our friend Eric Biedenfeld just texted me. He said, "Ooh, Larry's bit about davening is really good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's that. That's uh, his uh, opposition to prayer, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay. Next, we go to Ashley Wallacechuk, who says, "Hi, Alex and Av. Long time lurker, second time mailing in. This was a fun episode. Some scenes went nowhere, but I got good laughs for sure. Three and a half pretties out of five also since you added the seinfeld clip about ted danson into the podcast that scene has been stuck in my head to the point where i actually referenced it with my therapist last week hopefully i'm the only person to ever be thinking about your podcast during therapy hopefully not hopefully everybody is thinking and talking about our podcast i I, our podcast should be coming up in your therapy as ways like oh that's that's interesting you mentioned that doctor i heard a very similar thought on a podcast recently alex and off have really been helping me why am i paying you (laughs) while you're driving to therapy or or on the subway or walking or however you get there biking uh you know flying i don't know Listen to the podcast on the way. It'll give you uh, extra gist. I was listening to these two psychopaths go on uh, tangents for 20 minutes at a time. Anyway, great coverage of the new series. Especially, if, you're, if your therapist tells you not to listen to our podcast, fire the therapist. 
Oh yeah, no. I mean, if you're forced to choose, you obviously choose the podcasts. Um, we're the only Kerr podcasts. Yes. Um, I especially love the uh, Alex's. You can listen to Josh Lakeva also. Yeah, you could do that too. Um, I especially love the mapping of Larry's shortcut that Alex did on Twitter this week. That's the coverage I come here for, even if I have no idea if it's a good route or not. Best, very timely. So this this message just came in. Um. Yeah. That on Twitter, not that long before we started recording. Um. Yeah, it was there. What like this afternoon, right? Um. Yeah, it was a few hours, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, good, good job by Ashley. You know, stick, keeping it. You know, real time updates. She's covering it all over the place. She's on Twitter. Yeah, she's gonna be on the Twitter. She's gonna be, <laughs> she's gonna be all over that TikTok. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next we go to Joshua Schmitz, who says, "Pretty good episode with some good laughs. Still not enjoying Freddie Funkhauser. However, come with mm-hmm. guys, Gabby." Fucking asshole is Freddy for his speech at the funeral. Not the time or place for that. And he gives the episode three and a half produced out of five. Mm. So then he, he has to amend the first sentence of his email. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking the very same thing. If he hadn't given a rating, I was going to ask you, do we count his email as a, as a rating <laughs> one? Yeah, I was actually wondering as I was reading the email, I was like, huh, did I put this in as one pretty? <laughs> um, but then we got to and I was like, oh no, I put it in this three and a half because he wrote the number three and a half at the end. Um, okay, Jim Crumley says, say was a bit of aggression to the meme. The story meandered a bit, but there were some fun parts. Three out of five. And he says the come with guy is Hal Berman. The sight of Rob Morrow attempting medical care on TV again might have been enough to on its own for Hal to get the nod here. Morrow had some great withering glances here. And the fucking asshole is Freddie Funkhauser. Freddie seems to be settling into the role of frenemy quite nicely in this one. The payback for Larry's rudeness on the shirt front is quite Funkerhausian, but he should have known better than to loan his best shirt to Larry. Yeah, it is funny the things that Funkhauser will get mad at you for, not get mad at you for. Like you like threaten to sue him and ruin his hotel. He's fine with that. But you uh, ruin one. Right. <laughs> He'll assassinate your character at a funeral. Yeah, I mean, right, kind of like the same way that like Larry was much more concerned about the uh, the drop pirates booty than the uh, person being a clansman. Yes. <laughs> um, Zach Brooks writes some good ideas in another pretty disjointed episode. I guess I also didn't know soap stains, so I guess I'll stick to tide pens. Tide pens are like magic wands for clothes stains. Good to see Mr. Takahashi back, but felt a little underutilized. Larry eating while Hal's dad had a heart attack was pretty classic curb. The whole episode could have been built on that. And he gives the episode, just like me, three pretties out of five. He says the fucking asshole. I was going to say Freddie Funkhauser for loaning his favorite shirt and then getting pissed about it. That's his fault, but I got to give it to soap. You're a fucking asshole if your job's to clean and you make a stain. (laughs) See, that's going off the board. Yeah, I like that. Um, How many times has soap been the fucking asshole? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I actually I really like how like we get listeners who write in and they're like really disappointing really down episode three pretties and then other people <laughs> like, oh I loved it three pretties yeah um, everyone know. has their own uh... yeah no but I like we um I listen to a, a Minnesota Twins podcast Gleeman and the Geek it's actually it's, hmm. it's very often the number one uh, baseball podcast on all of iTunes even though it's only about the Minnesota Twins um, fascinating stuff yeah uh, but yeah so but they the reason they started doing they do over unders for every team in March. And the reason they started doing that is because they realized in previous years, they'd be like, oh, I think the A's are going to be terrible this year. I just read the A's are going to be amazing this year. No, they're going to be terrible. I have them winning 87 games. Oh, I think they're going to win 87 games also. And they realized like, <laughs> yeah. right. you got to put a number on it because otherwise everybody's, uh, yeah, people have different ways of expressing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for the come with guy, he says, I have no idea. For the first time that I can remember, I don't think there is a come with guy this week. And he leaves his ballot blank. Mm. 
It's a protest vote. Yeah. And finally, we end off with Owen Allen, who says, like the guest stars, Rob Morrow looked like less than half his age and his stare downs were great. Plus a lovely exchange at the end with Larry. Julie Bowen performed the role well, and Susie had a nice shouting match. And of course, great to see Mr. Takahashi back. I am sure you have, would have mentioned how unlikely a shirt for the taller, beefier Vince Vaughn would fit so well on Super Lean Larry. My own favorite shirt was a Finnish t-shirt promoting their vodka and showing Russian vodka being made out of a donkey urinating in it. Very upset <laughs> when I had to give that up. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I did not either. You know the uh, Calvin Hobbs piece? Yes, like, yes, the, with the, all the different teams. It's like the vodka version of that, yeah. Yeah. No, different uh, teams. They only do that with the Vikings and Packers. I don't know. <laughs> Correct. And only, and only of, the, of the Vikings peeing on the Packers, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, however, it just felt like a nice episode, but not particularly funny. Leon seems crowbarred in and yearned for the return of Maria Sophia. Most noteworthy reaction for me was the level of cringe I felt when Susie's dress dropped on the wet path and happy with a bit of cringe, but not enough to save the episodes. And he gives it two pretties out of five. His come with guy is Hal Berman, mainly for Rob looking so wonderfully youthful. I seem to be falling for him like the rest of the world falls for Paul Rudd. I also loved how he closed out his revenge on Lowry and their shared acknowledgement shows everything is evened out and back on track. Mm-hmm. And the fucking asshole is Jeff, begging for secrets he can't keep and setting up friends with unreliable dates that ruin their main pleasures in life, be it a shortcut or a mother-in-law. <laughs> great email from Olin. Great, great, great. All right. Um, so let's close things out with our scores. Uh, we got eight listeners sending in their scores which averaged out to a 2.94 making it the audience's 69th nice ranked episode we take that with alex's three my three that'll knock it up a little bit to 2.98 which makes this the overall 54th ranked episode um, which when we see is out of 106 so far, I would say that's a replacement level middle of the road curb episode if you've ever seen one. So I think um, kind of what we said at the top of the episode is vindicated at the very end where we all kind of came out in very similar places on this episode. Yeah, but it's only out of 86 off or 87 because we haven't seen 20 of them yet on the podcast. Um, yes. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, so you said they have it at 54 overall with everything together is 54. Okay, out of out of the eighty seven we've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. It's still pretty close to the middle. While you were reading, I updated my um I moved it up to three pretties and I have it at fifty three. So oh there yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean if you look at all those scores, you have a three, I have a three, two, three, three, two, three, yeah. three and a half, yeah, three and a half, three and a half. It's a solid episode of a great show. Yeah, it's, everybody ranked it from between two and three and a half. It's just like right yeah. That's the tightest. I mean, we've and again, it's interesting because I did see a couple people who absolutely loved it, and then I saw a couple people who hated it online. Also, some real negative reviews. But uh, in the in the world of pretty, pretty, pretty good, we're all uh, pretty sympathetic. Yeah, report back to us next week if this episode has the lower standard deviation of uh, of scores. Yeah, it, it's got to be the lowest. Yeah. Okay, so um, where are we heading next week? All right, well, next week we have Man Fights Tiny Woman, and I assume the man is going to be Larry David, but I could be wrong. He, might be, the, he might be the tiny woman. He could be. We did talk about how uh, sinewy he is. He is neither the man nor the tiny woman. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. <laughs> 
I'll get the Caesar. And anchovies gonna be okay on that? Please. With the anchovies? Yeah, I like anchovies. It's just a strong choice. Who does that? It's unbelievable the contempt that people have for you when you order anchovies. It's like I'm a pornographer or something. <laughs> Larry, I gotta borrow your charger. I'm at 9%. I'm charging. I'm working. Tell me, give me some juice until I get to 7. And then we'll go back and forth, back and forth. Listen, we're not at the bottom of the ocean sharing one, one tank of oxygen. That's suicide. We'll, well, both, suicide. we'll both die. We don't know each other that well. You said 30 insane things to me <laughs> the last few minutes. I'm not an everyman. No, you're not an everyman. I'm not an everyman. You are a singular man. All right, can we dive into all three of those separate scenes? Those are three very good scenes. Yeah, so first of all, so Freddy Funkhauser is just in every episode now. Yeah. In the first scene, yeah, so they're yelling at Larry. Larry doesn't say, hey, can I get extra anchovies on it? The guy says, like, it comes with anchovies. Like, you can take it off. <laughs> Larry's just going with what is on the menu. <laughs> right. And they completely attack him. Yeah, I mean, anchovies are disgusting. Yeah, but um, and a pornographer. What's wrong with being a pornographer? It's 2021, Larry. Get with the program. Yeah. Um, all right. And then what do we have next? Then we have Leon and with the have, juice. So this obviously speaks, I'm sure, to every single person on earth in, in 2021 watching this. Um, except that, of course, they're they're at home and like you should have a million charges. <laughs> right. And yet Jen and I are constantly not. And I feel like I go on Amazon every other day and buy another like 17 chargers to just distribute about my house but they, uh, they seem to disappear very quickly yeah my uh my house is very i i think pretty well set up with chargers i i do a good job but i keep the chargers flowing well i so i have a charger next to my couch on both sides of the bed in both cars like in every place i might possibly need when i have one but yet they're always disappearing still just like oh yeah i unplugged it and moved it and then just never returned it so there's some place in our house with thousands of them gathered i have no idea where it is yeah i just got a new desk like for my house like for my home office and i think i've I've done a very nice job of like equipping it with like wires all over the place of all the different things that i use and like i have like chargers here and uh, a cool a cool hack that i just started doing for on all my computers is running like an extra long usb up to like the top of my desk so that way if i want to use like a flash drive i could just like plug it in up here rather than having to like you know crawl under and find it underneath wait do you I, have like a tower like a desktop computer yeah i have a desktop computer oh okay all right oh yeah obviously have a laptop this is irrelevant yeah, what year is this? but yeah no i've yeah i have like a like a real setup with like oh, a, wow. a real computer and like two monitors and the whole thing in my house yeah oh but but Oh, you. Oh, I mean, I have like a laptop with just a docking station. You just dock it to like the. Got it. No, no. I yes, yeah. I have like a like a, a tower computer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah. I I like to uh be mobile and on the go. The other move, which I've been doing for years, is whenever I would buy a new laptop, I would always buy two AC adapters. So I'd leave one at home and one at work, or whatever my two locations were. Right. Yeah, I do. I do stuff like that also. So I yeah, like podcast microphones. I have multiples. Yeah. yeah. Underwear. Um, yeah, like I have, I, I, I leave like everything plugged in so that way I could just like attach things instead of having to like plug in all the wires every time. Yeah, no, for my, for my wife, everything is always dead, always. Uh, her, her, um, her, our kids, she sounds like a terrible doctor. <laughs> her, our kids do piano lessons on Zoom, and every Thursday when the piano lesson time comes, uh, her iPad, which is supposed to go into like the little selfie stick holder thing next to the piano to do it. Her iPad is always dead. It's always at 1%. And like you yeah. need it to use for Zoom video for like an hour. And so I end up having to do a contraption where I do extension cord, extra extension cord. And then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to. So now I've just set up that permanently because I've realized after several weeks in a row, like her iPad is always going to be dead. I'm always going to need a charger during piano. So 
I'm setting it up all over the place to avoid this. And then, of course, yeah, then we have the scene with Seth Rogen, which we discussed in the preseason, um, where he's dressed up presumably as a character for a sh- We assume he's playing Seth Rogen playing a character in a movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, I think we established that. Correctly identifies Larry and you and me and, and, and all interesting people, I think, as being a singular man. Singular man. Yes. Not an every man. Yeah. So, yeah. So next week, as you said, Av, we are going to have a... Uh, a very special guest with us, hopefully, to discuss uh, the man fighting the tiny woman. And uh, who do you want to be, man or tiny woman? You pick. I'll be the tiny woman. All right. so I like I, my chances. I, if, if Larry David's the man, I like my chances. Yeah. we. Uh, uh, Larry David's really not a real man. I feel like maybe Seth Rogen is that weird costume man. I don't know. We're, we're not men. Not. We're not singular men. We're not plural men. We're not men. Uh, we're each half a man. Together, together we make up one singular man. And that singular man is... Pretty, 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 pretty good. Get a life, Jews.